All right. Welcome, welcome. So um, I thought what we would do today, just for a little bit here, it shouldn't take too long, I'm sure. We would go over the Danny August Mason interview conducted by Ben Swan. All right, let me pull that up here. All right, just get that ready. Okay. So, yeah, so I figured that's what we would do here today, just for the next hour, more than likely. That's it. And... Da, 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 da. But before we get there, I do want to... Um, Say thank you and give a special mention here to my good friend Stephen Sanziri. Sent me his book, Ultimate Prey. The true story behind the Yosemite sightseer murders. This is a great book. You can notice this one has, is very new, has never really been touched. My copy with notes and everything has been touched, has been uh, used and cited and everything. So this guy... Love this guy here. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate that. Uh, he sent me a copy of his book. It's autographed, by the way. This is an autographed book, in case I didn't make that clear. Um, but this is definitely, and I'm, I love reading books, So, but this is definitely one of my favorite books that I've ever read here. And um, who knows? Maybe I'll read it in eighth time. And I still have so many questions, still so much that I feel like Stephen and I have not... Um, really gone over. I know he and, and Crip Rick have gone over a lot of things during their shows, but um, I still feel like there's a lot more, a lot that I want to cover. Okay, so that should be good. Um, so anyways, just wanted to say thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um, Secret Squirrel. I got This is a magnet, by the way. Hey, Rick, how are you, man? This is a magnet, by the way, and then I uh, got a business card here and even a little handy flyer. So that all came with it. So pretty cool. If you're in the San Francisco, um, Los Angeles, or San Diego area, look up Secret Squirrel. This is uh, kind of a list. I don't know if you, how well that's going to show up there, but that's kind of a list of what they get, of what you get for it. So, And check out their website. You will not be disappointed. Uh, Rick, 6, 6.30, 6.30 p.m. So, because I'm um, West Coast time, so, yes, Rick, sorry. Missed your thing you put here. Yeah, so, um, if all things go well, I will be on Crip Rick Show later tonight. Today is June 11th, 2022. And so in about, um, about three hours or so, so about three hours or so, I should be on Crip Rick's uh, radio show, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. If you don't know, well, I'm going to show you before we get into the fun stuff here. That'll be fun. We'll be just be talking about music. Nothing nothing related to the Crowley. Okay, yeah, talking music. Like, talking music. Yes, we will be talking music. Just music only, okay? 
do a show on David Crowley's museum. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, we're obviously going to talk about Phil Collins and how great Phil Collins is and how both Crip, Rick and I, you know, growing up, we were, it was, it's very strange because he grew up as a Phil Collins fan and, and I did too. So it's really cool. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let me screen share this. Crip Rick is probably screaming into, <laughs> into the camera right now. Uh, let me go here. So, for all of you that don't know, now you know. Uh, let's see. Everybody can see this? Oh, good, good, good. Yes, so this is where we will be here. If you go to freedomslips.com, it'll take you to Revolution Radio. The archives are all there. If you want to catch any of the past shows, you can just uh, go to enter the archives. Remember the username and the password, RevRocks. Enter that into the archives. I probably already have it saved. You can find all of their archives. So here I have um, Rick's, both of Rick's shows. Rick, can you remind me what time? I, I feel like I sometimes I get the shows wrong. So I know it's, it's 7 p.m. your time. It's four. The Saturday show is 4 p.m., but the uh, Monday show, I believe, is 3 p.m. Please help me if I got that right. And Rick also does um, a cool YouTube show as well, well, several cool YouTube stuff. But he does a live YouTube show um, today too, Saturday. So <laughs> he's all over the place. But if you go here to Crip Rick's I've Been Thinking, this will show you all of the archives. You can download all of the past shows, including the very first one, which he had, which was an awesome guest. I'm not going to tell you who the guest was, but it was pretty awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Um, then he also has Crip Rick's The Decompression Hour. This is the Saturday show here. I believe at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We are on specific time, obviously. He catches live, or his uh, radio shows. They go live here. And um, so these are the archives. I'll show you how if you want to watch him live or listen to him live. You definitely can. So I think Sophia was the one that was on... Uh, 6-4? Yes, yeah, it must have been 6-4. Um, June 4th, 2022. That's the most recent one. That's that's a great one. I have it up on my, um, uh, on the podcast, I believe. Hope I put it on the right podcast <laughs> show. But, so I got that one up there. But the, the decompression hour, that's all it is. It's one hour, mostly music, inter entertainment, things to decompress from all of the things that, um, Rick thinks about throughout the whole day, throughout the whole week, right? So obviously, all of these shows are going to mention Phil Collins, no doubt about it. All right, so um, to make sure everybody can see what I'm even doing, looks like you can't. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Monday, 6 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, yeah, so the Monday show is 3 p.m., Pacific or specific time. Okay. So uh, that's what I wanted to show. But if you want to listen live, you can always go here. So you can go into the archives. You'll find all of his past shows there. But you can just scroll down right here. Uh, click on Studio A um, for his Monday night show. And then he's in Studio B on the Saturday show. So come on in and join us later on. Step up here and um, 
they have a chat room and all that good stuff. It's it's really cool. I feel like it's a really fun show. Um, so check that out. We'll be in Studio B tonight. And of course, they have the schedule and all that stuff. But the archives, if you just want to download some of the past shows, they're all right there. Pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. So now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty. I'm sure you all can see this. So this is the Ben Swan interview. Um, he interviews Danny August Mason on January 23rd, 2015. So that's what we're going to go over here today. And this video is hard to find. It's hard to find. Thankfully, I had it elsewhere. But just doing a internet search for any of this, um, anything related to this video, I thought was hard to find. Oh, that was pretty interesting. Why, why is it so hard to find? Shouldn't be this hard. Yes, that is what they said. Okay, so let's make sure everything is working properly. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about here. But before we get there, before we get there, I'll do one more screen share. Got to show you this. This is kind of this kind of sets sets the scene, sets the mood, whatever you want to say. And if anybody does want to jump in here and join me, um, let me know. Send me a chat, private chat, comment in the chat, and um, I will send you the link to join here. Because so, what we're going to do, we're going to go into this one right here. We're going to look at this. Hope you all can see this. Wait for it to come on screen. What we're looking at here, this is a guy named Zach Carter. If you don't know who Zach Carter is, he was um, a friend of, of David Crowley. He's on the phone records. Um, Mike Boggio, I believe, when Mike Boggio, during Dan Hinn's interview with Mike Boggio, the president of Michael Entertainment Group, which is the company that was working with David to make his his to make Gray State into a TV series. First, it was going to be um, some type of a feature length film, and then they decided it would work well as a as a TV series, since um, there were uh, the Sons of Anarchy show was was just ending. So they thought that it would be a good kind of fill in. Now that that show is gone, there's there will be this void left that people will be looking for something so it kind of tells you what they were thinking sons of anarchy i've never seen it so i don't know it seems raunchy to me it seems very dirty to me and just not into that stuff um but it seems like it was going to be kind of in those lines or at least tr they were trying to take that time slot so obviously when they pitched it if they were to pitch it if they would have ever gotten to the point where they could have pitched it to fx uh, I think A&E is kind of involved in, in some of this, too. I think they were pitching it to them. But whatever it, it was, to fill that time slot, you know, obviously that, that gives me a little indication of kind of where they wanted to go. In all of David's writings and everything, we don't have – I haven't seen any treatment for this TV series. So once David Crowley decides to make um, Grey State and once – MEG, Michael Entertainment Group, decides to make Gray State into a TV series, and they want David, David's supposed to go write this treatment. It's not in the journals. He doesn't really talk about it much. I don't, I don't know if he – I think he mentioned – he does have a Facebook post where he does mention it would be better as a TV series. So at that point, there is mention of it, but 
where is this treatment? There should be a treatment or something on this TV series when David is turning this into a TV series. And we don't, we just don't see that, right? We don't really see that. So that's pretty interesting. But what we do see is there was a go beat between that was um, helping David and um, helping David kind of with the Michael Entertainment Group and all that. So they had a mutual friend. I, I believe Zach Carter was this mutual friend that they're talking about. We'll go into that later. But this is what Zach Carter put on a, on the Ron Paul forum. So it was a forum, old school forums. He put this, and it's it's still up there. Um, we can go and this is on the Ron ronpaulforums.com, and it's still up there. I backed it up in case all of a sudden it gets taken down. But on um, January 23rd, 2015, so just days after the bodies are found, the Gray State goons are in this cover-up mode. They're in this thing where they're just like, they don't want anybody even thinking elsewhere. It, it was David. That's it. They're trying to cover up any, any other questions, trying to get you to shy away from any other areas, from looking at any other possibilities. The same people that would try to rip you if you would um, think that, well, you know, maybe there was some other issues, right? Maybe there was some other, something else that happened here. Maybe it wasn't David who, who did this. And they would just <laughs> completely get frustrated and get angry. Some Sometimes I feel like get violent, get condescending, whatever you want to call it, very narcissistic. Um, people in some of these cases making it about them, you know, well, this is going to hurt them if we start talking about it, if we start questioning it, even though that's, I mean, a lot of David's projects and a lot of this stuff is built on that. A lot of these guys who are part of these quote-unquote truth media and all that stuff, it's built on that. It was built on asking questions that the official theory, the official stories did not even bother to think about. And here they're pretty much it's 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 the pot calling the kettle black, I guess. It's a very hypocritical thing that a lot of these guys were doing at that time. And it raised so many questions. So many questions because it's like why don't you guys just let the facts just speak for themselves? Why are you so desperate to try to get people to think a certain way? To try to make sure that people do not look in a certain way. Do not look at a certain possibility in certain areas. It was very interesting. Very suspect. I found it very, very suspect. Some of these actions done by some of these gray state goons. That contacted me. And then later wanted to play this victim. Like we're going after them and attacking them. And they're the ones who are contacting us. <laughs> And trying to steer the narrative to what the police say and not question anything. Not that's the main thing. If you look at these guys when they were when David was there, look at listen to them talk. Look listen to what they're talking about. And then David Crowley dies, their friend dies, and they're all silent and they, they completely do a one eighty, a one eighty flip, flopping like a fish here, a fish out of water. Maybe that's what they are. Maybe they're scared of something, but that just shows their true colors. When push comes to, to shove, they're not willing to, to stand up for their friend. 
they're not willing to stand up for the truth, to stand up for whatever happened, to at least respect people's right to ask questions. They just want to play games. They just want to try to trick people. When they're when they've been spending years telling us they're all about truth and you know anti-government, government is doing this, blah blah blah, and then here we have something very simple, a slam dunk case in their backyard. And what do they do? They run like cowards. They stay silent because it may hurt them. It may affect them. It's not about getting to the truth for them. It's about their credibility. And that's why they had to go after mine so much. It didn't work. It's not going to work because <laughs> I'm not credible. My credibility means nothing to me, as we all know. And just whatever, you know, here, here's the evidence, here's the facts, here are the, are the documents, here are the journals, here are the, here's everything that the pub, that we've been giving, that we've been given, that we know that the public has been given. Here it all is. And there's nothing there that is going to prove David Crowley guilty. That's why the focus has never been on that. And even with these gray state goons in the very start, I would always say, guys, give me something. You know, oh, we have the evidence that David Crowley did it. We just, we can't share it with you right now. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's just sad that some people, it seems some people did fall for that line of crap. But fool me once, right? Don't try to fool me twice. So if anybody does want to jump in and join in here, uh, I'll be live for uh, maybe, well, we're going to play. I haven't even gotten to the video yet. I'm still <laughs> rambling on about this, but we are live here today. And as people know, it's so random. So let's talk about this post. Okay, so remember, this is 123. The Gray State team is in, quote unquote, what I believe to be damage control. Covering up any possibility that it was anybody else but David after the fact. Right? Here's what Zach Carter posts. Ben Swan interview with the Gray State actor Danny August Mason to be released on Monday. Ben has just wrapped up an interview with Danny August Mason, an actor in Gray State and David Crowley's creative partner on the film. The interview will be released Monday at benswan.com. Have you tried to go to benswan.com? Try to go there, see what happens. Ben's Truth in Media Project. Ben's Truth in Media Project team, Zach Carter continues, and the Gray State team have been allies over the past couple years and share a crossover member on both teams. We're all devastated. This is Zach Carter saying this. We're all devastated at the loss of a great friend, an amazingly creative young man who had a sunlight, bright future in front of him and his beautiful family. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. <laughs> this is a brief article released by at Ben's site, Ben Swan. Deaths of Gray State Investigation. I tried to find, I could not find um, this. This link is broken. All these links are broken, basically. Any links that, they, that is mentioned in these two posts, are gonna talk, they're, they're all broken. But I would be interested um, to see if we have that backed up somewhere. Ben Swan's original article way back, some obviously before January 23rd, 2015. 
Zach Carter continues, we stayed away from much in the way of detail because we wanted to talk to Danny and have his blessing along with the blessing from David's brother and parents before releasing anything new on the tragedy. So this is interesting here. This is the thing right here. Who is we? Who are you talking about here? We stayed away from much? Who? I know, I know who he's talking about. And I'm sure you know who he's talking about. We stayed away. Wanted to talk with Danny and have his blessing. What the fuck do you need his blessing for? This is not about blessings. This is about finding out what happened. Not playing games. Not hiding. It's like these people have never really dealt with real circumstances, with real issues. It was all fun and games, ha ha ha, it was all anti-government, this and that, you know, protests, all this stuff. Watching all of, of these films, keyboard warriors, but when things got real, then we saw their true colors here. Right? Because if this was a case that they were not, that they didn't know the people, they weren't friends with, anything like that, think you think they would have reacted like this? I don't. That's interesting. That's what happens. In times of trial and in times where things get tough and the going gets rough, this is when you see the true colors of people. This is what I saw back in January of 2015. I saw a lot of true colors come out in people. A lot of people. A lot of people that David surrounded himself with. A lot of scared people. It just seems like they really have never dealt with any tra any major trauma or anything like this in, in their life. Even though they've probably been researching conspiracies and following protests and riots and have looked into other murder suicide cases and suicide cases. They know, you know the court system is bad, the whole commercial code thing, all of that stuff here. But when it gets really, when it's right there in front of your face, why would you not treat this case the exact same way? Even more so because you knew this guy. So this should be treated with more skepticism than John F. Kennedy, than 911, than you know uh, the two-party system, and that's why we want to vote for Ron Paul. All of these things, all of these conspiracies, you know, the government going to war when they didn't need to, all of this stuff. And they don't – the way that they treat all of those cases, they don't treat it the same for for David Crowley? Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. All right, so um, if you have ever – there is a video out there where <laughs> Danny August Mason is dressed up as John Wink, which is um, the main character in the uh, 2012 trailer and in the early version of the 2013 script. Danny August Mason's character in in the Grace Eight trailer. Just think of that. And there's that same character who is doing this two minute video, kind of like a promo for Ben Swan. So when they're talking about they have a mutual friend and everything like that, I mean, it gets well. I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but it gets kind of weird here. So, um, anyways, you know, we're devastated at the loss of a great friend, and and so it's not like. It's it's worded. This part here to me is worded so interesting. It's just so 
textbook. It's like they want to make sure people know, hey, we're not saying there was foul play here. And then it gets even worse. A lot of these people just go silent and just don't talk because that would hurt their credibility in some of these circles of people that are like, well, wait a minute. Why aren't we looking into this, guys? We look into all this other stuff. We talk about all these other – the Boston bombing, that, that that didn't happen the way that it that it that that they tell us it was. All these other shootings, things like that, Waco, whatever. But this one is fine. You know, this – there's nothing here. It's like they get, they rolled it out to you on a red carpet, and you guys just drop the ball, completely drop the ball on this case of your friend, of your alleged friend. So, but it's pretty interesting. He so said we stayed away from much of this because we wanted to talk to Danny. Why do you what do you need to talk to Danny for? You need to get Danny's permission. Is Danny your daddy? Big daddy Danny, what's going on here? And have his blessing. Is he a priest? Is he a pope? What do you need his blessing for? Is he the new Freemason third degree priest to the fourth extent? What well, I don't know. I don't understand it. And, and, uh, and at the very end, uh, and we also, you know, and David's brother and parents. Before releasing, what, you, what do you have to release? What news do you have to release? The only news that they released at any point in time is, yep, what the police said is right. Big news. I we got that from the media. What do you need to tell us what this news is? You want to create this thing where it's, well... All sides are saying the same thing. David did it. That's what they want. They want you to think uh, all the rational people in the in the quote unquote truth circles and all of that stuff. They all know David did it too. Are you kidding me? But in the end, all you need is evidence. All you need is the facts. And this is why I knew that from from day one, we would destroy these people. They would be utterly destroyed. Okay, and I say we would destroy, but really they they destroyed themselves because they had a choice. They had a choice to actually look into this case or to tuck their tail between their legs, go dark and go silent and never talk about it ever again. Except when it fits your needs, when it suits you. Oh, you know, such such a tragedy, such a tragedy. The tragedy here is that you have these people who claim to be close with David. And they don't give a crap about them. If they did, they'd be right here with us saying, okay, there's something wrong here. You, there's The police come up with no evidence to prove David Crowley guilty, and we're just supposed to act like David Crowley is guilty. Really, guys? These guys know better. And then it, it's like, what, what were you guys in this for then? Right? You have a slam dunk case dropped off on your porch and you ignore it you run from it you hide from it you don't investigate it why would anybody take these guys seriously after that i wouldn't now here's the kicker <laughs> we ask that if anyone has any questions about what happened to david and his family rather than speculating that you point them to this interview that we're soon releasing, okay? So, and the, the, he doesn't leave the link in the 23rd post. In the 27th post, it is there. But in this 23rd post, it's 
it's not there. But this is interesting. This is all like scripted shit. We ask that if anybody has any questions, they are directing the question. If you have questions, hey, come to us. Come to us. That's it. Don't even say come. They don't even say come to the police. You know, hey, we we also think what the police did is great. They don't say any of that. Come to them. Come to me, Hail Mary. Run with me. Quick see. What do we have here now? Do you want to ride or die? La, 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 la. Something like that. And so, but here's the interesting thing where they say, rather than speculating, rather than speculating, and that's all they do is speculate. That's all they do. The reason why we're not speculating when it comes to the main thing, we can speculate on different things. But there's no speculation when it comes to the fact that David is innocent, that there is no evidence to prove David Crowley did this. That is a fact. That's not speculation in my view, from my view, right? People could think differently. Maybe they think it is speculation, whatever. To me, it's not. It's not speculation to say that David did not do this based on the evidence and, and the facts, right? And that's how I feel right now because – from what I've told, when I've been told, we've gotten all of the information, we've gotten all of, of the data that the public needs to come to a rational conclusion that David did this. We've looked at the data. We've gotten data that we obviously weren't supposed to even get either. That was given to other people, given to Tony Tony Floyd. Who knows who else? I don't I don't know. That's a whole other issue. So it's just interesting when they say rather than speculating, when that is exactly what they're doing, is speculating on this whole thing, speculating that David did this. When they should be saying, what this should be is we're going to find out what the truth is. So maybe that's what they thought was going to happen from Danny August Mason's interview. Maybe they didn't really know David. Maybe they had too much faith, too much stock in these people that they did not know. Maybe after, maybe this woke up a lot of people and they're like, I'm not hanging around that guy. What if what if I get accused of a double murder-suicide? They're just going to do a thoughts and prayers video and that's it. So each person is different. So the title of that article, Ben Swan Interviews, Ben Swan Interview with the Gray State Actor, Danny August Mason, to be released on Monday. So this week... This makes me think this was filmed on the 23rd, January 23rd, 2015, and then based on the next post from uh, January 27th, this by Zach Carter, this makes me think this was released, obviously, on that day, January 27th, 2015. If we look up a calendar, it's probably going to be a Monday. So there you go. But again, the links in both of these two articles are pretty much gone. Uh, title of Zach's post in the Ron Paul forums. Exclusive interview, Gray State co-creator speaks about David Crowley's sudden death. So I went to this link, and it's gone. It's gone. Video does not exist anymore. They don't even stand by what they're doing. Why erase the video? And that's not on them. That's on Ben Swan. And maybe he is, his channel got nuked for other reasons. I don't know. But I was just shocked that, wow, the, these guys, at least Zach and whoever he's talking, when he talks about we, when he says we ask, right, whoever he's representing, this we, this brand of we, 
they are pretty much, um, you know, saying this is going to, you know, if anyone has any questions, instead of speculating, that you point them to the interview that we're releasing soon. Again, we're releasing soon. I'm going to talk more about Mr. Carter, I'm sure, later. I mean, I when I first learned of this guy, I didn't think there was that. I, I think I'm Facebook friends with him, or I, I was. I know I was at one point. I was Facebook friends with um, this this guy. I know who, who this guy is. Um, he posted some great stuff back in back in the day, before all this happened. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know what the heck happened here, but he is in the phone records and you know there is that so he was in communication with David um, towards the end of, of David's life all right let me put it like this he did call him I think there were some phone exchanges all right so that's the exclusive interview okay more can be found than binswan.com interview gray state co-creator Oh, co-creator. So Danny August Mason, who just a few days ago told the, the police that he was a uh, just just an actor <laughs> in the Ben Swan interview, which they filmed, obviously, on uh, January 23rd. He's a co-creator. And here again, and we ask, this guy's doing damage control, and we ask that you please help Kamel's mother. Nyla along, who is currently suffering from cancer. This is another odd, weird thing in this whole thing. The alums had no idea about this GoFundMe thing, and this link does not work anymore. It was taken down. I think Dan Hinnon found there was about eight thousand dollars that they um uh that they raised. So that's a whole other thing. They were where did that money go? Where did the eight thousand go? Should have went back to whoever donated. That's what I would have done, but I don't know. I don't know how all that works there, but or put it to a worthy cause or something. But no, it's just who knows? You know, who knows what happened with that? So Nyla Alam is Kamel's mother. So, so he's posting this too, and there were a lot of people that got caught up. Oh, but yeah, okay, we're posting this. This didn't seem strange to you, Zach. That there's a GoFundMe for Kamel's mother. And it's like, what, $5 million, $6 million or something, some crazy amount, without even asking Kamel's family if they wanted to do this? Just, it's just weird. It's weird. And not directing the money towards the alums. Very weird. So the alums had uh, Danny, um, this is Dan Jr. Dan Jr. created this. So David's brother created this GoFundMe thing. I don't want to think want people to think I'm talking about Danny August Mason, but still, it's still very, very strange, I think. I don't know. So, I mean, so he throws that in there. It's just like this guy really doesn't know. It, it, they're just feeding, somebody's just feeding him talking points. If that's what he's doing. Or maybe he got caught up in it and, you know, really wanted to help, really wanted to help them and I don't know. It's just weird. The whole GoFundMe thing. Every time I hear about the GoFundMe thing, and I know Dan Hinnon got a lot of um, 
negative feedback way way back then because you know he was allowing people to to comment on it in the Justice for David Crowley and Family Facebook group. It's like why why shouldn't we comment on it? this? Is weird. Her, her, Kamel's mother's hospital bills are are five million six million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> what are you talking about, iconic? Um, iconic is saying. Uh, what are you saying here? Oh, okay. Um, that southern tree, true, true tree didn't happen. <laughs> you gotta you gotta break that one down for me. <laughs> but thanks for joining. I appreciate that. Also, Rick too. I know he's just waking up, so he's uh, probably. Half he's probably outside smoking a cigarette right now. Uh, Twenty bucks, that's, that's what he's doing. But um, but yeah, thank you, iconic. Um, feel free to add any comments or jump in here. We are, we are actually live. Yay! Six eleven twenty twenty two people. Six one one two two. All right, let me not get too much off track, because you know how I do. You know how I roll, unfortunately. All right, so that's pretty cool. I can expand that like that. I like that. I like that. Okay, so um, it just goes. And we ask, please. Okay, we also ask if anyone has. Here it is again, just like the other one. If we ask if anyone has any, it's almost like he just took a, a template and just kind of tweaked it a little bit. If anyone has any questions, and here's what he says on January twenty seventh. This post. We also ask if anyone has any questions to say about what happened to David and his family, rather than speculate, rather than speculating that you point them to this interview. And so it's the same thing. It's it's a it's a copy paste. Point them to this. He just he just took out. He just went bump. Took out that part right there that we're releasing soon, and that was it. So that's it. I mean, again, okay. So all right. So we're all going to stop speculating, right? We're all going to stop speculating. And uh, thanks, Rick. I knew it. I knew it, Rick. I knew it. I knew what you were doing, my friend. Canada. I those Canadian cigarettes. Um, probably have something a little. Probably have some maple syrup in them. That's that's my guess. All right. Let's get into this. We're ready for the interview. So here's the interview. This was released. 127, 2015, right? Or 126, maybe. Um, anyone has any questions? Yeah, rather than spec. So that's a key word. Remember that. Remember that phrase when he says, rather than speculating. Rather than speculating. He's going to give you. Danny August Mason's interview is going to, is, you know, just point them here. Point them to this interview. Point them to the interview. Guys, that's all. <laughs> Maple syrup. That's right. All right. So, all right. Well, point us to the end. You pointed us to the interview. Fair enough. Let's watch this interview. <laughs> Let's see how far I can get. Because I've already got 47 minutes here. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, this is like a 30 minute interview. And like I said, I could not find it. Thankfully, I found it. Some I found it somewhere, um, but it was not easy to find. If you just put in Ben Swan, Danny August Mason, boom, it used to come right up. 
not the case anymore. This is 37 minutes. All right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> see how far we can get. This is supposed to be an hour, an hour thing. I can already tell that's not going to happen. I'm going to give this a dislike here. <laughs> I just put this up because I couldn't find it. It needs to be out there. It's backed up offline. So we have it if anybody um, wants to just watch this. The Michael Boggio interview, the MEG Michael Entertainment interview that Dan Hinnon did with Mike, Mike Boggio. I thought I had that by itself on this channel and on my other channels, and it's not there. So I'm, I'm going to add it. I'm going to make sure people have it. I'm going to add it to the podcast. Uh, if it's not in the podcast, I'm like, what the heck? Why have I not been adding this one too? So anyways, enough of my ranting for now. We are going to, uh, let's look at the Ben Swan interview, 123.15. Well guys, I'm glad you're with me uh, for this week's episode. And I gotta tell you, it is a very heavy one. Very sad story to be talking about here. David Crowley is a name that many people don't necessarily know. He certainly wasn't a household name, but he was an absolutely inspirational person in the liberty movement. David is the creator, the writer, the director, the force behind a movie project called Gray State. without question a brilliant project it was something that I personally had supported and the folks at Gray State quite candidly had supported me in my Kickstarter efforts and my efforts to go as an independent journalist um, so certainly uh, full disclosure here there's a lot of connection between me and this crew David Crowley was the guy who put all of Gray State together and this past weekend tragically and very sadly David was found dead inside of his home along with his wife and his daughter. Police, investigators originally on the scene ruled a murder-suicide. Joining me now to talk about this is Danny Mason. Danny is an actor. He's part of the Gray State Project. That's what I wanted to say. Sorry. Um... His wife and his daughter. Police, investigators originally on the scene ruled it a murder-suicide. That's what I wanted to talk about. Police, investigators originally on the scene ruled it a murder-suicide. Okay, now we know Catherine has talked about within four, four hours, there's a police officer saying this is a suspected murder-suicide. Um, at least within 24 hours. The first press re release is within 24 hours, and it, these are called su suspicious deaths, right? So uh, um, that was the very first um, press re release. But 
within 24 hours, the police are saying that this is a double murder-suicide and the public is not in any danger. Within 24 hours, they don't have let's, – let's think about that. So that's what you would want to know. Within 24 hours, the, the police that were on the scene, what could they have seen in those 24 hours that would lead them to think that David Crowley did this, that this was a double murder-suicide? Let's look at what they did not have. They did not have the DNA results. They did not have the handwriting results, the ballistic results. They didn't have the actual autopsies. They didn't have David's phone, their phone records, their financial records, any of that. His, they haven't gone through you know, his post. They haven't found a suicide note. They haven't found anything like that within 24 hours. But within 24 hours, they're already saying David did this. So it all comes back to what could they have possibly found? And we know what they've missed. I just mentioned some of the things that they missed. The other two things that they missed was um, two very important bullets. They left the house on January 17th, the day the bodies were found. They left the house, let's, let's even say January 18th, okay? They left the house early that morning without very two important bullets. They left the house with four spent rounds. Four spent rounds. One, including the one that goes into the basement and including a bullet fragment, which I don't believe is, you know, that, that I don't know. We can, maybe that's a, a fragment of one of those spent rounds. Maybe it's a fragment of, maybe it's not a fragment of that, of those spent rounds that they found. But they didn't find 57. Item 57 is the bullet that went in to the um, to the attic. Correct. You're right. They didn't find um, item 57 until one month later. And then there's item 53 that they found two days after the bodies were were taken from this home. So those are all the things that they that they didn't find. So it's always about what did you guys find? And according to Zach Carter. This is, you know, if anyone has any questions, this is good. Let's direct them here. He doesn't even say, hey, Danny's going to answer all that. Don't worry about it. You know, we, we know what happened. It was sad. It's tragic. Thoughts and prayers. But here's why David is guilty. You get everything. You get the thoughts and prayers. It's tragic. You get the fake emotions, the rush to judgment, the speculation. You get all of that here, even though Zach is asking us not to speculate. That's all you get here. That's all you get. Um, iconic meerkat says probable, probably the jacket of the bullet. Yeah, so the so the bullet fragment, which I think is item thirty-one. That bullet fragment that is found in the living room, maybe that's exactly what it is. Um, is a the uh, jacket of um, of the bullet. So would that be the jacket of uh, the bullet that goes into the basement? I think it's in the same area. Too. So that one makes sense because it doesn't hit any bodies. It hits it hits that hardwood floor. So could the hardwood floor have knocked out that jacket or whatever? I don't know. I really don't know. And because it's not shell casings either, which is what it kind of looks like, item 31. Maybe it's, you know, think, oh, it's, it's a shell casing. But if it's a shell casing, it's not, you know, that would really, <laughs> that would lead a whole, down a whole other area. So let me not get too far off on that. But you're totally right. It's like, I mean. I don't know. I don't know. We just know these are all the things that they missed. So we all come back to, okay, what did you guys have in those 24 hours? Because 
if you're going to make that speculation, if you're going to speculate that David is, is guilty within 24 hours, all right, then what? Then you spend months and months to try to find the evidence of your speculation, of your theory, of your, quote, double murder suicide. So what do you find in those months? And we know what they find to prove David guilty. It's nothing. It's all about nothing. Seinfeld, George Costanza, it's about nothing. Let's go on. Joining me now to talk about this is Danny Mason. Danny is an actor. He is part of the Gray State Project. He is also a creative partner in the project and a friend of David Crowley. And Danny, I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, talk about this is Danny Mason. Danny is an actor. He is part of the Gray State Project. He is He's an actor. It's the first thing he says. He's an actor. He's part of the Gray State Project. And Danny, okay, yeah, yeah. He's also a creative partner in the project. and a Creative partner. A creative partner. I think he wanted to. I think he saw himself as a as an owner, a co-creator, right? I mean, if you look at the the YouTube link, and you know, when this when the first when the video first came out, this was a creator, a co-creator, and a friend of David Crowley and Danny. And a friend. Um, so <laughs> somebody left a comment. Um, they watched the video yesterday. Iconic. Um, Somebody left a comment about uh, the body language. And you can learn a lot from Danny August Mason's body language. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, I know it's been incredibly difficult for you and for... Here it is. It's been incredibly difficult for you and this and that. Wait a minute. Forget all that. Who cares about him? Who cares about any of that? It's been incredibly difficult for anyone to prove David Crowley guilty. That's what has been incredibly difficult. On January 23rd, 2015, January 27, 2015, they're making the media tours. I feel like people just aren't buying it. The media are just not buying it. <laughs> and... Uh, iconic meerkat says seems he is pushing the co 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 yeah co 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 this right co 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 beware and beware you must uh, i don't know i don't know what else to say on that he's like <laughs> uh, the rest of the I'll save that one with this project <laughs> in what has has to be a time um, where this news has been truly devastating catch us up yeah the i don't think devastation really kind of describes uh Total devastation. <laughs> yeah, devastated. He looks devastated. He looks like he just woke up out of a, <laughs> out of a haze. Uh, Gray uh, haze. The feeling that we have of what took, what kind of transpired with David and his family. The feeling that we have of what kind of transpired with David and his family. Again, dancing around words. You're going to see that a lot here. A lot of dancing and romancing. Not a lot of truth, not a lot of facts, not a lot of hate. This is why, you know, David left a note. He did it. Uh, he, he, he filmed it. Um, he sent somebody a message saying, hey, man, I really messed up. I just killed my family. You know, we get none of that. There's no indication for these guys to go out there and do a tour, a media tour, saying that David Crowley is guilty. 
they're always very clear to make sure that people understand that part of it. Very clear. It's very interesting. And again, this is early. This is very early on. What do they really have by January 23rd? Um, when we got the news on Sunday afternoon, we almost, uh, me and a group of friends, I got the phone call from one of my dear friends, Adam, and we were just in. He's, he's talking about Adam Schambauer right there. So he got the call from Adam Schambauer. Adam Schambauer, I believe, is one of the last people to try to contact David Crowley, too. Um, and I think he contacted him after his death. Um, if Sophia was here, I'm sure she'd pull up her records and set me straight on that. But she's done a lot of great research on the phone records, which I have not. Um, and also William Rail and I think Catherine, too. And I know Dan, Dan Hinnon. And there were several others who have really dug into those phone, phone records. And thank you all for that. In shock and disbelief because it makes it easy for me to, to go and like check check it out right because you give me the sources you give me the page you give me the day you give me the number you give me all that stuff or if i want to if, if i'm not lazy and i want to look into it for myself i can't believe about uh what actually transpired um it wasn't until probably yesterday what actually transpired when everything really kind of starts sinking in uh... so that would have been 122 at 122 everything is sinking in at on january 22nd 2015 for this guy everything is sinking in about what's really happened because at that time it turned so they know what really happened by january 22nd from what they're saying they know what really happened it's all good got it covered done Magnifique. To almost containing fires uh, with how the media starts spinning David's image. So it's not about spinning David's death. It's spinning David's image. When they should be focused on, well, why would they? It makes no sense. His image and his death. So, so it's okay to say David Crowley killed a five-year-old child, killed his wife, and then shot himself. As any coward would do, that's okay. But don't spin his image. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense to me there. The contradiction just right there is very, very baffling. I don't get it. On the press on it as being kind of a gun enthusiast, right wing. Gun enthusiast, right wing. Also note, I just want to let everybody know, note it, for people who have not seen this, obviously when this first came out, <laughs> this was a big topic, but if you have not seen this video, um, count the times how many times Danny August Mason uses the phrase on it. <laughs> I'm not saying do a drinking game while you're sitting at home and not driving and just sitting there and every time he says on it, uh, take a little sip. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying um, count the count the times that he says on it during this fanatic uh conspiracy theorists uh so a fanatic conspiracy theorists blah 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 they're more focused on that they're most more focused on the image of david crowley because the image of david crowley affects them so much it affects everything that they do that they will do all of their future plans so you would think these guys would be front and center these would be the first guys who would be out there saying hey 
before we jump the gun and just say David did this, let's let's really let let's wait. Let's wait for the autopsies to come back. Let's wait for the toxicology to come back. Let's wait for the for the for the DNA results to come back, for for his electronics to come back, for his financial records to come back, for his phone records to come back. You would think that these guys would be the first people out there saying, let's wait for that. And they're not. They're not waiting for that. Why do you think that is? A vet who had PTSD that flew off the handles and uh, murdered his wife and his daughter. And then and He even has a hard time really saying the official thing. I mean, this is not somebody who is confident, who really... <laughs> In my opinion, I don't believe Danny August Mason really believes the official theory. I think that's why he did reach out to me and Dan Hennen on the Facebook group, Justice for David Crowley and Family Facebook, and challenged us to a debate. And then goes quiet, then goes dark, and that's it, right? He posted there. He was a part of the, of the group. I think he left or something. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Maybe I just can't see him. But it was just like after that, he was pretty much gone. And I haven't heard from him since. But he has the open invitation. He's one of the one of the people that I will debate whenever. We'll set it up and whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's open invite. Open mic. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, yet he says he last spoke to David two months after than he actually did. Oh, oh, two months earlier. Sorry. Okay. Okay. He last um, spoke with to, to David two months earlier than he actually did. Is what you meant to say? I got it. I got it. Okay. It actually. Um, interesting. All right. Well, you're gonna have to help me with that. Dates and times are not my thing, but that's why I calculate them. That's why I write them down so I can keep record of them <laughs> for reasons like this. That's an interesting one. Well, you'll have to point me in the right direction for that. I love it when I tell people, point me in the right direction. They point me back to a video I've done. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. That's how it is. You know, We have so many great researchers out there, and it's just about getting, getting – Took the, his own the, life. It's just about getting the data, making sure people have access to the data, and um, this is it's this has been a team effort, making sure that people understand that David Crowley is not guilty. Here we go. On it, um, and he did he did mention the PTSD thing. I just want to point that out too, because he did PTSD and all that stuff. Almost like he doesn't really believe the PTSD angle either. That's going to be a big, big thing. But he's got a lot to say. He's got more to say on the PTSD. Let's continue. How the media was spitting it and how we know David personally. Um, we we knew that this situation, there's so many layers to it uh, that it's going to take time to kind of unravel it. Because um, David... There's so many layers to it. It's going to take time to unravel it. So it's, it's, like, it's like a connecting the dots so trying to connect dots that aren't really there when if david had done this and if they really thought this if there was slam dunk evidence to show david did this 
I mean, what, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, within seven days, within a week of the death, they're like, yeah. But they're still trying to piece it all together. <laughs> Some friends. Some friends here. Was one of those very unique individuals uh, that me and a lot of friends had the fortune of being able to be a part of his life. Um, he was a he was a private guy, but he was also very open. Um, he was one of those uh, incredibly smart individuals that when he would process or have these ideas that he they would be coming through him almost like a thousand miles an hour and you would have to keep up but he would get really frustrated because he would have to end up like dumbing himself down to really explain what he's trying to get across on it um and i so i guess we get on it did you hear that on it <laughs> so i guess he, he we, we we could interpret this as uh david smarter than everybody right well that would make sense to me because it, these people that think David Crowley is guilty, they're they're dumb if they really think that. I mean, it's okay to whatever you want to believe if you think it, but if you're going to act like there is real proof out there that David did this, you are dumb. You just are. That's my view on it. You know, and people say, "Well, you're you're dumb because you think David didn't do this." I'm like, "Well, let's compare the evidence." That's why I was able to make a two-minute video, a three-minute video, put it on the back of my book that breaks it all down. It's not, it's not long and complicated. When you, re if you really want to get down to it, it's not very long or, or very complicated. I could break it down to you in two or three minutes, and I have several times, as you all know. So this is a 37-minute video, and we're kind of hoping for that, right? This is what we're expecting. Is he's going to tell us? Uh, don't worry about the speculation, but you know, this is what happened. So let's continue on with Danny August Mason speculating and Zach Carter supporting the speculation. I say that in the context because a lot of people like that are insanely self-motivated, um, and especially artistically, and it's a really kind of hard, uh, level to balance when you're dealing with a regular, um, society in general, and especially in the magnitude that uh, with the success of uh, just a simple concept trailer of Gray State and the topics, because they're such uh, intense debated topics, um, that a lot of people from uh, activists to conspiracy theorists uh, kind of latch onto, and they use it very much of a vis uh, visual form for a spearhead for their ideology with it. Um, so with that being said, with David around... Um, he almost said on it, but instead he said with it. Sorry. Um, his family, he was such a, uh, uh, God, he was such a, a softy. And I. So around his family, he's a softy, and then he, he brutally murders them all and shoots his wife twice. Got it. As Eric Wilkinson would say. Go ahead. And when I say that, I, I mean when he was around his family, he was so, he was so loving. And uh, he was so caring, and he was—he was so loving around his family, so caring around his family, and then he then he kills them all. Makes sense. Right? So in love with his wife, and he loved his kid. Uh, so in love with her, so in love with both of them that he's going to shoot him in the head to make sure they die instantly. Very loving. That's the most loving thing, I think. Right? Um, and being a part of that, and whenever I was. Be over there, me and my other friends, Adam and Mason and Sean. Um, 
we were he and Adam and Mason and Sean. Mason Hendricks, Adam Schambauer, Mason Hendricks, Sean Wright. That's who he's talking about here. Even though he and Sean Wright and Mason Hendricks are going to have a big falling out later on, when I'm chatting with Hen with Mason Hendricks, uh, maybe about a year or so later than this, and Mason Hendricks is you know saying if Danny Mason keeps it up, Mason Hendricks will deliver Danny Mason's head on a platter to me. To me. That's what Mason Hendricks said to me. Mr. Mason Hendricks, who doesn't like to be quoted, by the way. We knew that we were fortunate enough to be to actually see that. So Now, Danny, I, I, let me ask this, because I know that uh, David obviously served in Iraq. He was an Iraq war veteran. Um, immediately, of course, media turns to the idea that this is an episode of PTSD, uh, and that becomes kind of the, the blame for all of this. To the best... This is this is good stuff. I'll I'll try to shut my mouth during this part because this is the PTSD stuff. So whenever you hear about David had PTSD, he might have had PTSD. Remember, there are real people out there that have PTSD. A lot of people who who have it um, may not say anything, and maybe a lot of people who have it are very vocal about it. But ask those people. Ask a person who has it. Or who believes that they have it. You know, um, what is it like when people are accusing other people of having it? You know, how do they respond to that? How do they like that? You know, do you think that that's cool? For, for me, if I were to just say, hey, this person has PTSD when I've never had it. And I've never gone through what that person had. I would ask a person who has had PTSD or has it. You know, how would you react? You know, how would you respond to somebody like that? To somebody who is, is so quick to accuse somebody else of having PTSD, or even you know, it just it just seems like I guess what I'm really trying to say is there are people out there who really have PTSD, and we should not just label PTSD because we want to label them like that to think that they're crazy or to think that well, this is to justify their actions or to justify anything. So I'm never, ever quick to say people have PTSD or that they don't, okay? If they say it, if they joke about it like David did in his journal, um, then that's on them, right? But I'm not going to say, well, they have – I'm not going to associate that with what they did or what they didn't do. But I will tell you this. A P, most PTSD cases that I've looked into myself, maybe there's others that are, are different, but – you know, they usually kill themselves. They don't really necessarily kill everybody. And a lot of this stuff, to me, you know, I would ask somebody with PTSD, does this line up? Does this murder what they say happened here? Look at the crime scenes. Look at what happened. Look at the – all this stuff. Look at the crime photos, I guess. Does it line up with, with, P, with PTSD is what I would – that's what I would basically ask and see. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you have to go with that. Yeah, here comes the PTSD excuse. All right, let's uh, continue. To the best of your knowledge, and I know it's difficult to speculate on this, but to the best of your knowledge, had David exhibited any symptoms or signs of PTSD uh, in the years that you've known him? Nothing that would, um, I guess, constructively fit the bill for diagnosis of PTSD. Um, not in the form of David. Um, and that could have been masked with his creativity on it. Um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. 
and especially in a moment like this. Um, and I think to label that right away that this was the sole cause of it, I don't personally, I know that I'm just want to pause. This is the sole cause of it. Not he's not discounting the possibility of PTSD. He's just saying it's not the sole cause, is what it sounds like. But he mentioned that he did suffer from some forms of PTSD, and I think that all of us, in some shape or form, could actually, uh, I guess, in some form, of diagnosis have that. You know, obviously more extent than others, but nothing to the extent that immediately. Oh, this is you know, it's black and white. He had he flipped out and um, kind of lost his mind. It's just that that's that's kind of the the problem right there because what he says right there is exactly what they will say later. That's what the police will say is that. David Crowley flipped out and did this and killed. That's what he's going to say later on. Very interesting. That diagnosis to explain the tragic events just doesn't fit with it. There's much more stuff that I guess we can only assume leading up to it, uh, to the tragic event. Um, and like I said, that's going to take time because um, we're getting bits, a little bits here, a little bits there from other people that he communicated with um, that's beginning to kind of allow us to get the bigger picture of what actually transpired. When you, and, when you say little bits, are you able to tell yeah. me what some of those little bits are? Um, yeah, little bits are kind of more communication with David's family on it um, and how he was communicating with his family on it um, with things going on to it. Because uh, David, when he would go into a very creative mode, he would kind of, I guess, go off the radar uh, for a couple of weeks. And this is very kind of normal for him. And then he would just reemerge with these ideas, this new plan, new direction where you want to take things. Or he might even have a completely different idea for a project. He just needed to get out of his head. Um, and so for him to do that, his family was used to that. Uh, and me as being a um, creative partner with him and also a friend and a business associate, uh, that was, you know, familiar with it. It wasn't anything, there wasn't really any kind of red flags that kind of went off that we should be uh, really concerned about. Um, it was just the more lapse of time that was going by when we weren't hearing from him, that's when me as a collective friend started getting a little bit more concerned. Something wasn't um, feeling right with us. And we started reaching out to each other, and uh, we were, it was at a point where uh, we were going to go over to this place kind of unannounced just to check in on him and whatnot. But, um, so, I mean, like I said, hindsight, this, you can't really predict, uh, this sort of thing would have transpired like it did. Yeah. So Danny, you'll have to forgive my ignorance on this. So my yeah. understanding, and I could be um, a little bit off here, but my understanding is that when people suffer from PTSD, especially, um, veterans when they come back, uh, typically when you know symptoms of PTSD come up, it's, they seem to cycle somewhat and there are typically triggers associated with that. Just wondering if anyone had noticed anything that would indicate um, there was a PTSD trigger uh, that was going off. Um, I know this, I know that uh, David was in a pretty exciting place in terms of the Gray State Project. And I don't know how much you can speak to that. I know we're being sensitive to that. But what can you say about that, where he was in this place and, and where the project was? Um, I'm only going to be able to comment a little bit on things we're getting really excited for him for the amount of – because I guess he's taken the burden um, as being such a creative guy. He's also very – he's also uh, – uh, uh, I don't want to say controlling, but – his vision is so cut 
that he likes to have his hands in everything just to make sure he uh, gets it done. So it's very his his structure is very militant on it. Um, and this could have possibly been years of building up on it. Um, I know one of the biggest things that he had to grapple with, and we um, discuss many of times, kind of when we we're creating the universe of Grey State and like the major themes that we were playing with, was that. We, 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 had, we, we had a huge responsibility um, to present it in a manner that it wouldn't become a tool for some radical person to use it for justification on a tragedy or some point of violence right. with it. And that weighed heavy on his conscience. I know that. And it, it does with mine still to this day, and it will continue if in the what will transpire with Grace State. Um, and I know he, he dabbled with that in. He always never felt comfortable or uh, felt good about the, the for, uh, formation of the story that he was trying to tell. It was never good enough. Um, there's always a lot of holes with it. But I know that he felt like he needed to carry the world and that burden on his shoulders because people, when we started going, to, when he went to um, like a Bilderberg rally and also. Hey, Jet. Uh, thanks for joining us here. Uh, to answer your question, when was this interview originally done? This was most likely done on January 23rd, 2015. The bodies were found on January 17th, 2015. So about one week, one week after. Hope that helps. That was my first question, too. <laughs> <laughs> when I found this the other day, <laughs> like, when, when was this first conducted? <laughs> so the RNC, um, he became a symbol for hope and inspiration for a lot of people. And that could weigh a lot of pressure on an individual who's not used to being thrust into a public eye right away or into that kind of uh, 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 statute. So I know that was a lot of uh, things going through his head and he would wrestle with those themes a lot, but I know he had the ability to channel that fear and that and, and those insecurities into his characters um, of Grace State uh, with the direction of the script that he, he felt the most comfortable with on that. And I support him with it because um, the characters that we came up with were a lot of the original ones, but he was going more daring with the subtext and the themes with it, which I support. I thought it was great. Um, that's why I was so passionate working with him because. He just did not want to make, like, you know... Just uh, another film. Yeah, just another film, but also, yeah. like, the themes in general, that kind of what we're dealing with. There's not a lot of filmmakers at that time. Um, I mean, when we were coming up with the concept, and you have to understand, this was years before Occupy, or even a year before Occupy Wall Street. Uh, this was years even before Ferguson's situation, and what's going on uh, with that whole entire uh, thing, and just where the state of the country's at right now. And that's why people looked at David as the kind of like almost prophet figure on that point. And that that's had, a lot of – That he had foresight into a lot of this. Yeah. I mean we, we would sit and what the thing that forged our friendship and our bond was that I'm a lover of history uh, and ancient history and also um, American history. And I told him – and him being a combat vet – and I'm not a combat vet um, – um, he, we would have discussions about what would actually take place if there would be a second civil war, second American revolution. What would it take place with advances of technology and also – but and the higher powers, um, the controlling factors with that. And how would that take place on, you know, um, with that 
with that direction. And that really forged in the beginning process of uh, what the great state is. And even then, back then, this is like four or five years ago, we knew we're playing with something. We, we, we fully didn't understand. We fully didn't understand when we were shooting it. We fully didn't understand even like a year or two after the re release of the trailer. Uh, we kind of really got a big glimpse when we went to uh, Boston after it was three days after the Boston bombing. We are working with Oath, Oath Keepers and shooting some footage for the... This is, this is key here, the Boston bombing thing. Some interesting things. Obviously, we know David was there filming, etc., etc. Uh, David's uncle was a police officer. John Bergeron, I think, was his name. But he was a police officer, um, and I forget what state, but um, it was David's uncle. And he actually got shot in the line of duty. He, he died. He got murdered in the line of duty. And the, the, the witness, um, the, the witness who saw the person that shot this police officer was, was a jogger, an, an older gentleman, one of the joggers. And um, he just he this is a I do believe in coincidences, people, and this is one of those. He was um, the, the the witness to David's uncle's death, murder, a police officer being murdered in the line of duty. Um, the witness was a runner. Was he was a runner at the Boston bombing? Now there's also questions about the Boston bombing. Who really did it? That's I. I have a chapter completely done for one of my future books, Shadows and Light. Uh, Cryptic has the only copy of the old version, which was called New World Odor, and I, I kind of try to break down the whole Boston bombing thing as we knew it back then. The things that were happening, the strange things that were happening, some of the suspicious deaths surrounding that case too, and everything. So I'm sure these guys were on top of all that stuff. But then they're not they're not looking into their own friend, you know, so they're they're out there. They spend all this time covering the Boston bombing. They leave their state, their home state to go and cover this Boston bombing. But when it comes to the death of their friend, how much effort, how much time do they put into this? I don't believe it's very, very much. And if it is, then that's a very shameful because. We've been able to look at these documents, to look at these facts and say the police have not proven David Crowley did any of this. Danny August Mason, Danny August Mason should see that. Mason Hendricks should see that. Sean Wright, all these guys should see that too. It's right there, right in front of all of our faces. Great State, the Rise documentary, where it really hit home. How's, you know what we were actually playing with and how much people invested and looked for it as a uh, representation of their belief system on, like I said, in a medium form. And that's a lot of weight. And then you compound that stress of what David was trying to spearhead, taking this idea that's never been done and presenting it in a Hollywood fashion on top of that, you know, and dealing with a lot of people who would, you know, like to get their hands on it and influence it and also take it somewhere. Or David's worst fear was his, Going to that process, maybe potentially shooting the film, and then it just being in a nice little package sitting on a shelf, and that's it. And then he would let down, you know, the horse of fans that put us in the position 
that where David's at. And I've been lucky and fortunate enough to be like, you know, a part of that. I mean, let me ask you about the investigation here. And again, I don't know how much you can say about it. We mentioned before that um, the initial reports here was that it was a murder-suicide. I have reports that uh, some investigators may be calling this. This is, <laughs> this is interesting because now we're getting into the investigation. You can look. So now we're going to get into it right about halfway through. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to start talking about um, <laughs> start talking about the real deal here. So this is pretty interesting. I just want to note here uh, one thing I wanted to mention earlier that I forgot. Ben, look at where Ben Swan is. So if you've ever seen a Ben Swan uh, inter, interview or what Ben Swan does, it's very. This just seems very different. He's out in the weeds here. He's literally in the weeds. <laughs> He's not seeing the forest before the trees, but <laughs> it's just interesting. He's on this hillside here and conducting this interview. I don't know. I always found that interesting. Okay, let's go on. Suspicious at this point. Um, that may just be, you know, people hoping that it's suspicious, um, but I'm hearing that it may be suspicious. Uh, suspicious, and I also have heard that there is uh, reports of a sliding door that was. I want to go back just a little bit, um, the suspicious thing, um, because that's what the first press release said. The first press release on this case, and I don't know if I can bring that up or not quickly, but said that, um, you know, they labeled this as, quote-unquote, suspicious deaths. So I don't know if I have, if I don't have those five press releases and just one PDF, to make it easy for people. Okay, I don't have it. I, I'm gonna definitely add that. I'm gonna add that to my list because people need to see that, to see the five press releases. Okay, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on it just because I don't have it in front of me. Um, but I'm noting it. Here we and go. I also have heard that there is uh, reports of a sliding door that was left unlocked. Um, I don't know how much you can say about the investigation. I know you're following it. Look at that. Danny August Mason's face when the sliding door is mentioned. This was a key thing. There was a guy in the group, early in the group, Pen, um, Pas Pascal, I think. Uh, I forget his name, but I did credit him in the video uh, that I made that took his audio that he found on the police scanner. So he was he was... He found the scanner footage, the the scanner audio. That's that was the very first episode that I, the very first video that I did on this called Great Gray Stage, the Gray Stage series. The very first video is just that five minute recording, and it is literally the police going into the house, going up to the house, going into the house, et cetera, et cetera. What they do, right? So Ken was able to find this video. I don't know how he found it. He posted it in the group. I made sure to back it up because it mentioned the rear slider. The rear slider here was probably another thing that they were hoping would not be focused on, would not be mentioned. So when you look at Danny August Mason's face, and Ben Swan is bringing it up, the rear slider, because it is a big part of this case. If they're going to say there was no, no forced entry or anything like that, why is the rear slider open here? It doesn't mean that you know there was anything, but it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't say that well we didn't find any signs of forced entry, and then at the same time recognize or focus on the rear slider was open. So there wouldn't need to be any forced entry, right? You can't. They, it's just very very interesting. Let me go back a little bit. And I also have heard 
that there is uh, reports of a sliding door that was left unlocked. Um, I don't know how much you can say about the investigation. I know you're following it closely. What can you tell us about that? The only thing I... This is the thing. I don't know how much you can say about the investigation. Are they part of the investigation? Are the police telling them not to say things about the investigation? Obviously, Ben Swan doesn't know. He's just asking what can you guys say? I can tell you that they were telling us that David did this, and then they were also telling us that, that they couldn't talk about what proofs that he did it. And here we are seven years later, and these idiots still cannot prove David did anything. They still have not provided any evidence that shows David Crowley killed his wife, his daughter, and himself. What evidence could they show you? If the police don't have the evidence, do you think these other ass clowns do? They're lying. They're lying. They don't have the evidence. They know they don't have the evidence. They know they're not under oath or anything like that, and they can say whatever they want because some losers will take them seriously for whatever reasons. But whatever. Whatever you want to think is, is true, and that's, that's fine. But... Make sure it's based on facts, not feelings. I can confirm on right now is uh, the, obviously the investigation is ongoing. Um, I haven't seen the reports about the investigation. I mean, this is what the police were telling us, and he's saying the same time the investigation is ongoing. That's what Sean was basically saying. He couldn't tell us things. He he's not even supposed to know any things. How is why is Sean Wright? What is he communicating with the police? How often is Sean Wright communicating with the police? And if Sean Wright is communicating with the police, why is he not? Why is there no police re report? The same way that you see with Danny August Mason, you see Sean Wright's name mentioned in those ninety-four pages, but that's really it. But yet, these are the guys that are going out there and telling us. Uh, that David David did this. They have the evidence. They don't have the evidence. Some of these guys told us there was a hand in the in the basement. There's no hand in the basement. I mean, some of the things that they told us. I don't know why they would tell us these things. It did not seem like something that a sincere person would do, but they did it. interesting we just go a few i think we're gonna have to break this one up into two pieces we'll go a few more minutes here but about it being suspicious on it um i until we get the full amount uh the full actual report from the police and what they've come to it um i'm and i haven't really and from what we're getting from like i said from communication with the family and from some other individuals i'm not going to name um who are kind of coming forth with their own story. I'm just going to probably just stick to it as what the examiner said, as it being a um, murder-suicide at this point. That's interesting because the medical examiner doesn't really say that, right? How was a medical examiner going to prove any of it? I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. So he's just going to go with that, just going to go with what they say. Nice friend, right? That's the type of friend you need in your life. <laughs> yeah, Jet, it is very interesting. And unfortunately, I have to um, shut this down. But on my channel, Jet, if you want to watch just the whole interview of just Danny August Mason, um, I do have that up there.
And uh, I'll come back maybe tomorrow around the same time and probably do a part two to this. But God bless you all. And um, I just want to thank you all for <laughs> for joining here. Um, and I will definitely be back either maybe tonight, but most likely tomorrow around the same time. All right, everyone. Talk to you soon. All right, and welcome back. We are now going to go through part two. We did not finish part one of looking at Danny August Mason's uh, interview from January 23rd, 2015. This may be the first and the last interview Danny August Mason did, and there's probably some good reasons. So if you've seen the first part, we only got, we covered about 15 minutes. Catherine is joining us here as well. Hey, Catherine. Thanks, Always friend. good to see you. And uh, we'll spend as much time as we have here with the time that we have here. So here's what, what we're going to do. We are going to, I'm going to do a screen share and we're just going to continue on. Catherine, if at any time you want me to pause or stop, I know I, I specifically, since you said you were going to come on, I specifically put it on this part to make sure I didn't get this wrong with the medical examiner. So I'll play what uh, Danny August Mason says and then we will go from there. So I'm transitioning. Hopefully everybody can see. Uh, the wonderful Danny August Mason here, as long as you do on camera, then what I will do is I will maximize this. This is about 1523 here, so I want to get your thoughts on this, Catherine. Here we go. I want to say hi to Ellie. Hey, Ellie, thank you for joining us in the chat. Always nice to have you here. Nice to see you. And Ellie, if you do want to jump on, let me know. Um, you're always welcome to jump on. So here we go. Haven't really, and from what we're getting from, like I said, from communication with the family and from some other individuals, I'm not going to name, um, who are kind of coming forth with their own story, I'm just going to probably just stick to it as what the examiner said, as it being a um, murder-suicide suicide at this point right now. Danny, let so that's what I wanted to um, just pause it there for a second, Catherine. Okay. And go back to, because um, if you notice what he's saying, he's just going to stick to what the medical examiner says. At this point, what has the medical examiner really said? Okay, 20, what, we're uh, January 23rd. Um, we know, I don't remember when exactly the final report came, came out, but does the medical examiner say that uh, these this was the result of a double murder-suicide? Um, you know, I... And I was just going to go try to pull it up real quick and see when those um, reports were done. I don't know if they found it out that quickly um, because they would have to wait for the toxicology reports. But what I find interesting is he's like, oh, well, some stories that some people are making up, that, that type of thing. Well, you know, everybody kind of has their own thoughts. So really, really? Um, <laughs> and then he's like, well, then I'll stick with what the medical examiner has to say. Well, let me see if you even know if I'm, I'm pulling it up right now to see sure. when they were signed. Um, to see what the medical examiner. Yeah. What, what the, the day, I think there's several dates, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't believe it was by January 23rd. It no, they been. signed them on, um, Jessica signed hers on February 23rd and then, um, Dr. Mori signed his portion on March 22nd. So this probably didn't even become available or, you know, to anyone um, until 
after that date because they, they have to wait for the toxicology reports before they can even come up with anything. Would they have been given maybe the family and friends a little heads up about, hey, this is what, what we found. Um, you know, we think uh, the medical examiner saying, yeah, the medic, you know, I think this is a double murder suicide. I don't see anything where the medical examiner disputes it, but does the medical examiner ever come out and say this is? Well, I think they suicide? put on David's. I think they did list it as um, suicide on his oh, cause of death. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that they listed it as suicide. Um, yeah, because there's and again they're saying that on David's autopsy they're saying that he shot his wife and his daughter and then shot yeah and then shot himself and i'm like how do you know that mm. <laughs> you weren't there and it's like oh but um whether or not i mean could the medical examiner have been saying something to the family yeah but i don't think like five days after they, the bodies were found yeah it's know? pretty quick pretty quick yeah yeah um, when these all these guys are out there doing this what will we call the uh this tour, this like world tour where they're going out and pretty much saying that uh, David David did this. Um, we need to not question it. And you, you can even see Danny August Mason kind of hints towards some of that. I'm not gonna listen to what other people are saying who have their own thoughts and their own views on it. It's like, well, I thought we all had our own thoughts and views on it, but I, I, would, I would have really thought these guys would be the first people out there saying, look, uh, there's, there may be something weird. It's just very odd that they are the first people out here saying this is what happened. David Crowley is, is guilty. That's what they're basically saying within 24 hours, within a couple of days, they're out there not only saying it to other people, they're, they're trying to convince everyone else of the same thing and then getting pretty angry when people question them on it. And that is, that is such a huge red flag. I mean, everyone, everyone jumped on the bandwagon without any proof whatsoever. And by that point, no one had read the autopsy report. Nobody really saw what the ME did or did not do. And the fact that they're the skull piece, the ME didn't even mention that skull piece. And it is clear as day there, you know, we've been over this a bazillion times that there are straight lines and you see imprint marks. She doesn't even talk about that. The only thing she says is that it articulates well with the remaining portion of his skull. But they don't even know that at this point. And then to, like you said, constantly push the narrative. Oh yeah, he did this, and I, oh, um, they're saying this, and other people might have other ideas, but I'm gonna stick with what they're saying when you've never even read the reports. And then, like you said, get angry, downright angry and violent at anybody who says, no, wait a second, we wanna question this. So my uh, now I'm going, why are you angry? Because people are standing up for your friend. Right. Shouldn't you be standing up for your friend? Shouldn't you be going, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, we kind of had some disagreements, but I knew him. I knew how he was with his wife. But no, instead they're like, well, we we don't know why he did it. And we don't see how he could have done it. But okay, if they say that, then damn it, this is the way it's going to be. And right. Like, oh, holy crap. Well, I mean, the thing is we get to see something directly from the journal where, you know, you can see David is taught. He just, he's not a big fan of Danny August Mason. Right. And that's us first and foremost here. And I'm pretty sure Danny August Mason, because it does, it's pretty apparent they knew about the deal, at least to some extent, um, that they felt like they were cheated and they felt David was in the wrong for this. I mean, you could, it, that was, that's pretty clear. And it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's, um, you know, that 
like you were saying, they've thrown up all these red flags throughout this entire case, you know, especially since the beginning. And but the thing is, the reason why they throw up these red flags so early is because they're really not David's friends. How dare you say that? Right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, well, Judy uh, was all of our friends too, right? <laughs> <laughs> we were at one point. We were, yeah, social social gatherers. Um, Star here says um, brings up a great point. When Danny is asked about the rear slider unlocked, Danny's reaction told us we what we needed to know. It really did. And this was one of I, I remember. Uh, I wish I knew who it was, but this person contacted me. It was like you have to list. You have to watch this. You have to watch this. Uh, it is it is very very strange and. And, and that's why it was kind of like for years, I just wanted, I wanted to make sure people had access to this and not really give too much of my commentary and thoughts on it. Because when I watched it, I mean, especially at that point, and it would be great to have um, a body language expert or something actually watch this, this video in, in real time and maybe get some, some really good thoughts on it. Because um, when Danny August Mason mentions that slider, or when the slider gets brought up, and I don't know if that was supposed to be brought up, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if Danny August Mason knew what the questions he was going to be asked or, or not. But, yeah, you can clearly see he is a bit frustrated uh, when, when that comment is brought up. Did you show the part about the slider? Was that last week's? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just a few minutes before. If you want me to go back, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I, I haven't if you want seen me to go back. I haven't okay, seen it in a while. Okay, I can try to I could try to go back, and um, uh, we can we can go over that a little bit here. So uh, let's <laughs> see. It's probably still. Yes, it was. Still it was an oops moment. Whoops! I did it again. <laughs> it's Brittany. It's Brittany. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Let me go back. Yeah, it's like I could probably already find it here too. I, I forget. Someone knows when it. When it was say about but. it we mentioned before that um the initial reports here was that it was a murder suicide i have reports that uh, some investigators may be calling this suspicious at this point that's interesting um, that too. may just be you know people hoping that it's suspicious um but i'm hearing that it may be suspicious uh, suspicious and i also have heard that there is uh, reports of a sliding door that was left unlocked um, i don't know how much you can say about the investigation i know you're following it that's the face right there <laughs> He's like, That's oh, crap. the face right there. <laughs> yeah, this is what they did not want. This was so awesome when we first got, really when the when the uh, when Dan first created the Justice for David Crowley and Family Facebook group. One of the very first posts I think was somebody posted the actual nine one one, not nine one one, but this is the the police talking back and forth, and this is when the rear slider is actually mentioned one of the only mentions of it, that rear, rear slider. And so he's that became one of the biggest talking points, especially for people that were like, maybe there is something weird going on here. That rear slider was one of the main things, and you can clearly see why. But Well, yeah, because if it comes out right away, like this soon, that the rear slider was opened and unlocked, right away that should tell people that there's a possibility that there was someone else involved. Right. Well, yeah, is who leaves their back door unlocked or in the open like that, especially in the winter. Doesn't make any sense. Right. right. Let's let's hear what, what what his answer is about the wrist slider. Closely, what can you tell us about that? The only thing I can confirm on right now is uh, the obviously the investigation's ongoing. Um I haven't seen the reports about about it being suspicious on it. Um I 
until we get the full amount, uh, the full actual report from the police and what they've come to it. Um, I'm, and I haven't really, and from what we're getting from, like I said, from communication with the family and from some other individuals, I'm not going to name, um, who are kind of coming forth with their own story. I'm just going to probably just stick to it as what the examiner said, as it being a, um, murder-suicide suicide at this point right now. Danny, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, holy crap. What do you think? Oh, well, no, no. I mean, look, look at the basics there. I mean, somebody usually their their eyes are darting back and forth, left to right, and especially when there's a focus on one specific side. Um, yeah. He's trying to come up with a story on the spot, but usually when that's the case, especially lean towards a specific side, it usually means lying. <laughs> well, and and you know that can be true, but that can also not be true. But when you put that together with his um and on and, and yep. here and so it's on it on it is the yes key. on it yeah and where he goes from okay now oh crap what do i say and you know this it, well oh my god okay <laughs> holy that's all i can say is holy crap this and is mouth, like honestly. william was saying this right here his body language how he's saying it how he's responding there are red flags everywhere so everywhere yeah why did the police then not question him? And again, I'm not saying he's guilty, but I'm saying he is behaving in a way that is not consistent with someone who does not have knowledge. Right. He, yeah. It, it would be good to go back and look at the date that the police did talk talk to him, how further, how far out it was. I think they probably talked to him first, and then he, he did this. And then but then a went. little bit that they talked to him, that's not an interrogation. They should have brought it in. And interrogation kind of sounds rude or, or like really intense, and sometimes they are. But other times you have to interrogate someone to rule them out as well. They only went and talked to him and chatted with him a little bit. And this is where he's like, they start passing the cops off onto each other. I think Danny says, did you talk to Mitch? And then, you know, and then, they're, and oh, did you talk to Chris? And, and oh, Chris, like, oh, did you talk to so-and-so? So they're constantly sending them in this huge loop. And never mm -hmm. really were they brought in and questioned. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially after Danny Mason says he was just a quote-unquote actor. That's it. And even this Ben Swan, when this first came out, the URL lists uh, Danny August Mason as a co-creator. Right. That's in the actual URL, which is taken down now. You can't. You can't find this any in anywhere else, maybe. So I don't know, but um, it's pretty interesting. I don't know what happened with Ben Swan. His whole website, I don't know. I don't I haven't really looked too much into that, but it's pretty interesting stuff. So. Well, what's more is you can always um you can take a look at this guy on YouTube at uh, Enigma. That's all he really does is body language. Uh, there's there was another one that used to be on YouTube as well, um, but she's not up anymore. But she was really good too. Um, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but Enigma might be one to go and worthwhile you know getting in on this interesting yeah how do we do that maybe maybe you can help us send it send it over them um yeah i mean they're just on youtube so you could probably hit them up through there i think they accept the business inquiries <laughs> right the business so, inquiries okay yeah. you know like l was just saying it's a cluster of deception so it's not just one thing because if one person um, if they're being um, interviewed or talked to, and yes, they can look up because oftentimes you, when you recall, you look to the right or to the left, and it's just recalling memory. But it's it's everything. It's the fidgety. It's the um um, right. um 
and and this and this and and then the too much information giving too much detail then wait a second in detail that really doesn't matter you know like who cares what other people are saying the question was is what about the rear slider he talks about everything but the rear slider right. so mm. there are a lot of things in there that are red flags right yeah if i could ask ben swan anything it would be like did you did you let him know you're going to talk about the rear slider? Because that is one of the most deer like in the headlights moments I have ever seen. And it's pretty interesting because I don't think Danny August Mason does any interview uh, face or video interviews after this. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I haven't seen any. I think I think he they were like he was going to be out there front and center and trying to convince people. And if if this actor can't do it, then who could possibly do it? So for me, it kind of opened up that door. Like, wow, this guy, this guy is an actor. He's stuttering more than I stutter on my worst days. Um, and he shouldn't have to because all he has to do is tell the truth. Now, it's understandable mm -hmm. that there are things that he can't talk about or anything like that. Then don't even do this. Don't be out there. Don't try mm -hmm. to do a damage control video, a propaganda piece, and then all all that you're you're doing is raising more questions. I mean, I can't tell you how many people contacted me or watched what we just saw there, and like, dude, there's definitely something here. Like, if, if I didn't think there was some quote unquote suspicious activity after watching this, people are just like, what is what is he doing? What is going on here? Because these guys seem to be, or they try to be so art articulate with other issues with Boston bombing and things like that. They have no issues with that, right? It, it's okay to talk about the, the whole Boston bombing people. We're not going to worry about their family or their friends or anything like that. We're not going to respect people in these other cases. But when it comes to this case, then all of a sudden, they all change. And now all of a sudden, we're supposed to be respectful. All of a sudden, now we're supposed to wait until the police finish their in investigation, right. which we always planned on, on doing. But these are not guys that waited for these investigations to be finished. These were guys that were telling the whole that were telling us all that what they do is they go out there and pretty much see the other side of it. That's what the gray state was. That's what the gray state trailer. That's what a lot of things they were working on. That's what it was all doing. It was showing us the other side. And yeah, here and they, they are no selling up. And they had no problem telling everybody from the get go that yes, David did this. Oh, and we're so sad. We can't believe that he killed his wife and his child and then he killed himself. But the moment you and Dan come forward and say, Hey, wait a second, we're kind of, we're going to question this. Oh, no, 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 you guys, you don't have a right to say anything. You don't know anything. You don't have the police reports. Right. Well, why is it okay to slam David, but it's not okay to say, hey, wait a minute, let's kind of question this narrative for a second, because we don't have that information. We don't have that proof that he's guilty, but yet that was never okay. It's never been okay to say David is innocent, but the moment right. you say that he's a murderer, everybody on that side is your best friend. Right. Absolutely. Well, I just saw a comment go by with, um, I think it was Star, says something about he should have been on a lie detector. Personally, I'm not a big fan of lie detectors. Those things can be fooled. People can look like they're lying when they're not actually lying. I, I mean, they're not even really, from my understood, they're not even admissible in court. They're not something that's going to be, um, that's something that can be uh, heavily scrutinized real quick. So. Oh, I knew, I knew somebody who had to have... Um consistently have to go in for a test, a lie detector test. And they fooled okay. it every single time by putting a rock in their shoe. Because if you do that, what it does mm -hmm. is it makes your, your nerves react a certain way. 
and I'm not quite sure how it exactly works, but they knew with the test lie question, they or a test truth question that they would do that. So then it would register. They they folded every time, lied to the police and folded mm -hmm. every time. Right. Fold fold the test, but maybe not the people who were who were conducting the oh, test. Oh no no or... they, no they believed it too because they're reading the test. They're right. reading how the the thing. So they fooled everybody. They lied their butts off the entire time. Was doing exactly what they weren't supposed to be doing, but because they were able to put that little thing in their shoe, and and again I'm not sure exactly how it works, but they put a rock in their shoe, and yeah they lied and got through and passed it even though they were 100%. breaking their probation the entire time. Sure. Sure, but but it's still possible to pass it, and still, you can still as as an an investigator who's just watching it or, or rewatching it later, you can use that. You can you can use it to even trip people up later on too. But there's there's some value to it, I would think. But uh, I I don't know. I'm with. I don't you. know. I don't I, know. I've I've never taken one myself, but I I that's pretty much what I grew growing up. What I heard is all the different ways to beat them to fake it. There are and, lots of ways to beat them. And yeah. there are people out there. Who are so good at lying that yeah. you just don't know you have to yeah. really catch them on something else and go wow okay yeah but but after watching what dan what we just saw with danny august well, mason yes, I, he's not good he's not i don't good. know how good he would be like like is <laughs> a liar i'm sure of it and i agree with you Ellie. well the, the one thing like with those types of people that they're just they can lie that well they can literally trick their body into basically acting in specific ways so it's able to go right past the lie detector um you know they're, they're able to go and keep you know a certain kind of tone facial expression um you know they're they're able to basically fool them almost like fooling their body into believing the lie but knowing full well it's a lie you know um you can always do simple things like you know if, they, if they're not really sure of something but you know that if they knew as much as they did you can always throw some stuff out there and this could be things that are just totally like, you know, for the most part in, you know, they would have been in the know for somebody. And if they're answering, like, you know, they know they're like, Oh, this didn't happen. This isn't what happened here. You can start catching them on there. Like, well, if you were there, then here you go. Well, this is, that means you're lying right here. So yeah, you can and, kind of trick them. Right. And I agree. Someone just said that Danny's he, in like, Greg, you were saying too, Danny is just not that good of an actor. I don't, I no. don't think he could have passed Perfect. it. However, William is so right. I know someone else who they were taking a, um, a lie detector test to get a, a, a government job. And I won't tell you what kind of government job. But one of the test questions was, you know, to see how you react when you're telling a lie. And one of the test questions was, is the wall black? And it was a white wall. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, and they, I mean, they totally passed it. They're looking at a white wall going, yeah, the wall's black. And they're just like, oh, crap. So they just stopped it. They're like, you know, we can't use a lie detector test on you. So it just depends on who you are. But I agree. Danny probably would have failed it miserably. Right. But well, he is a terrible actor, and that's what terrible actors do. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you defame the acting skills of a future Oscar <laughs> Emmy Award winner, oh Danny God. August Mason? <laughs> I think I'm his only fan. I'm your biggest fan, Danny. All right, here we well, go. This guy's a fan. <laughs> I don't know, man. He, it seems like he, there is a. I don't know if anyone has ever seen. It's like a two-minute video. It may still be up on the Gray State channel, and they're basically just kissing Ben Ben Swan's butt. It's basically yeah. that. It's like a two-minute video. Danny August Mason. He's in 
character and just letting us know how great uh, Ben Swan is. And I thought after this, it's like Ben Swan, a lot, a lot of weird things happen to Ben Swan after this, actually. Um, but I don't know. Didn't really hear him say too much about, about David. I always felt like Ben Swan was more of a of an old school journalist. Um, so, and I felt he just kind of, this proved to me like he's, you know, bringing that up, bringing up certain things that he, that he brings up. I don't like how he felt like he was kind of coaching Danny August, not coaching him, but kind of finishing his sentence as, as we just, just heard. Um, it's not compatible. It, yeah. It's just like, well, Danny Mason was kind of stumbling through it. And as someone, you know, obviously Ben, Ben Swan wants, you know, he's got the show that he's doing here. So he wants to kind of keep that flow going. So that's what, that's right. what great hosts do too. So it could just be that. Right. All right, let's continue on. Let's go Let ahead. me ask you about this, because there is a report that's out now from, uh, I believe it's Canada Free Press. And an uh, interviewer who had had Danny on a show says that, and this was back in 2012, so it was a little while ago, but says he had Danny on the show and he was talking to him pre-interview. And in that pre-interview conversation, he jokingly said something about, you know, Danny, you know, I hope you don't have any thoughts of suicide. And he was joking about it in reference to Andrew Breitbart dying and Michael Hastings dying and just saying off the cuff, you know, I hope that, essentially, I hope you're not killed over this project. And he says that um, David had responded to him and said that no, he had no feelings of suicide and he had no suicidal thoughts. Um, and so they had talked about this prior to the interview. I'm just wondering if you've seen that report um, and if you can comment on that at all. That I can't. See, even even there, he doesn't seem as agitated when the when the rear slider comes up, and though right. he should be, I think. Let me go. Yeah, if you go back a little bit, you can see that his face. He's he's kind of looking around. He's kind of like shaking. A <laughs> Who's little he bit. looking at here? This was. I think there was somebody else here. And when I first yeah. watched this, it looked like there is somebody else here. He's not the only one here. Somebody else, and probably multiple people, maybe coaching him or helping him, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I've had the same feeling when exactly I was coach. With, with, with some of these Gray State goons. I had the exact same feeling that I, I wasn't just talking with them. I was talking with several people. Right. This is how they roll. Absolutely. No, he had no feelings of suicide, and he had no suicidal thoughts. Um, and so they had talked about this <laughs> right prior. There, right there. I have no idea. <laughs> no feelings. Oh, no He's like, what? Wow! Oh, he doesn't oh, really crap. know. Oh crap! <laughs> they they thought they scrubbed all those, but apparently they missed one or two. the interview. I'm just wondering if you've seen that report, um, and if you can comment on that at all. That I can't comment because I don't know, and I don't totally. Uh, I'm not familiar with the interview on it, so I won't be able to oh, comment that on. Be, that would be news to you. You weren't familiar with that conversation prior. To um, it. I'm not. No, no. Breaking, breaking. No, he knows about it. He just can't comment. Funny because he even calls him out on it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can comment on David's death, and he can speculate on David's death and slander David and call him a killer, a child killer, a wife killer, and right. and, 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 and a coward because one of the most cowardice things you can ever do is kill you, yourself. So he has no problem commenting on that. Right. But he's not going to comment on some of these basic facts that would contradict any notion that David would ever kill himself. Well, it's funny, like I was saying, because <laughs> Ben Swan literally corrects him. <laughs> He's like, what? He's like, you no, no, you're, you're prior knowledge. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I went, if it, if it, the only part of that conversation I would have been familiar with would have been on what would have taken place during the part of the interview. I know that knowing David, 
Um, any point, I mean, of the suicide and the extreme of the tragedy doesn't, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't, for us, it still well, doesn't make like Biden. Danny, I just want to ask you this. <laughs> Did you guys ever have this conversation? And the reason I ask that is because, look, I've been asked this question many times before. A lot of people have asked me dozens and dozens of times, do you feel safe? Do you worry about being killed for what you're doing? They, they jokingly say, are you suicidal? And they don't say it making a joke out of suicide. They say it, you know, in reference to Andrew Breitbart. They say it in reference to Michael Hastings. And they say, look, I hope that, that you are safe in what you're doing. And so they ask the question, you're not feeling suicidal, are you? I'm just wondering, did you guys ever have this conversation about him fearing for his life, feeling threatened? Is that a conversation about death that you guys ever if people don't know who Ben Swan is, I won't spend time on it, but please go and look up this guy. Look up some of the things that he's done, some of the of the the confrontations, things like there's a reason why people have asked him if he would ever commit suicide. It's a standard thing. It's almost become a normal thing where, uh -huh. you know, it, and like I said before, many times it takes three, four seconds to just say, I will never commit suicide. Put it on on record. If if right. somebody does try to um, frame you for a suicide, then you'll have the evidence right there. Oh, I might as well say it now since my Twitch channel was <laughs> taken down and I was saying uh -oh. it pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not suicidal, nor am I homicidal, nor is my family homicidal or suicidal. So if anything happens, I mean, you know what to do. <laughs> look <laughs> you into it. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, look that. into it. <laughs> well, and the thing that gets me is um, we know that David went on um, Alex Jones' show and stated he was not suicidal. And, right. Um, was was Danny with him during that interview? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, he was. So then he does know. He knows exactly yep. that David stated that. So why did would he David, kill Ben Swan? Did David state it during that interview, the I Alex Jones he, interview? I, I'm almost yeah. positive it was Alex Jones on, and it was broadcast. Right there, there. was there was a Hagman and Hagman news report that came out right. where. Hagman, one of the Hagmans, um, but basically said that he said he talked with David offline about this, and David told him that he was not quote he was not prone to suicides. Sean Wright has said the same thing. Sean Wright is on record also saying the same well, thing about David. I do have this Carlin. clip saved somewhere. I mean, okay. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh my goodness! But it was and it was broadcast. I'm almost positive it was Alex Jones. And okay, and that I'd, I'd love to get the quote. Yeah, Maybe you can I'll, help I'll me find that one. I'll see if I can find that because I, I that's the first it. thing I'm like going, wait, he's telling people publicly less than a year before he's dead that he's not suicidal. And so then all of a sudden they're like going, okay, now not only is he suicidal, now he's homicidal. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear that. Um, I know. Well, there's a couple of speeches say. and things like that that he has done. So yeah, um, it it would be good to calculate to to add that because the only I I only have two on the record, so obviously there's a few that I'm that I'm missing here where David has said that. Or where it's been commented that David said it, but to get it directly from him is obviously going to yep, be it was from him. Best way. Awesome. Hey, thank, thank you guys for having me, though. I gotta, I gotta get back to work myself. So, <laughs> thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining. Of course. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. All right. Uh, let's keep going here. Brad, we, we uh, we've had that conversation early on. On it, um, and this is when. But then there was a period when David started uh, putting distance between his friends and his family. Okay. On it, um, and that his his. I know that he was going through a personal transition, and I don't know if he was battling a lot of the bigger pictures. Uh, 
want to go back for just for a second there where he was saying um, that they were David was dis distancing himself from his friends and from his family because there's been a lot of speculation a lot of stuff uh, about that which you know the more that I look at it it's not as black and white as they want to make it sound right why did they just want to say yeah he was distancing himself from from his friends and family first of all I don't believe that he was distancing himself from his family all right this family if you're if let's just look at David David's side not Kamel's side because we know there's an issue with Kamel's side Kamel had an issue with her own parents they were not talking at any point. Kamel could have picked up a phone and talked with them. So I'm not buying anything that David was keeping her away from talking with, with them or anything like that. If she wanted to, she could have. Whatever the issue was, whatever the real things that were going on, and I'm just guessing here. Obviously, I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of this, but a lot of these guys weren't, weren't either. But they never bring up any of, of the stuff that we have read in David's journal that show why he was distancing himself from these quote-unquote friends because they were leeching off of him because they wanted things from him because they were looking to him to be this leader. They were looking to him, and he's, he's a young father. He's a new homeowner. He's, you know, a husband. They've only been married. They haven't been married for that for that long when you really think about it. They're both young and they're trying to get their life going. And they have this great opportunity for David to get his foot into a door that is almost uh, a door, almost impossible to get yourself into, mm -hmm. to the actual Hollywood door. Many people have done it. Many people have done it and turned away from it. Many people have gotten close and it didn't happen. Um, and that's where David was. This was about to happen for him. This is going to be a life-changing thing for him, for his work, for everything. And he would be a credible person because he is a person that served this country. You know, that makes him very, very credible, I think. I think it would have been a lot. And, and they were going after soldiers right around that time. They were going after many soldiers, especially if they were speaking out against the wars. They were really going after those soldiers. It didn't matter if they were current former, et cetera, et cetera. I think the whole Vietnam thing, you know, um, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, these people, these evil people really learned a lot from the whole Viet Vietnam and how powerful a soldier who served his country or her country can come back and, and really explain to you what the war is like and how wrong it is for us to be in these other countries. You know, it doesn't have to be that oh, all the soldiers are evil and they just want to run around and kill people and all, all that stuff. It's a very complicated thing. And for us, for people like me who have not served, who just, you know, look at this stuff and obviously can see, you know, the, the good side, can see the bad side and everything. It opens my, my eyes when I hear some of these stories directly from a soldier who was there, who was fighting in, in these wars that they did not agree with. And by the time they realized that we should not be here, what what could they do? What could they really do? You know, but be court-martialed or something like that. So, anyways, little off off topic there, but I just felt I just feel like David would have been a very credible person. And well, you know, and I think that's why I really I fight for David and and his his character and his name. You know, because at the time I was married and my husband was sent over to Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I, my brother, Russell, was over there during Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I mean, I know what it's like to be the wife of a soldier that's in the middle of a war. And it was hell. And, and, and what 
I, I kind of re, not only relate to David, but definitely to Kamala. And when her husband was over there, I get it. And I understand the shit that these men went through, not just over there, but when they had to come back and it wasn't from the people. Thank God the American people really embraced our soldiers. And there was nothing greater than when our husbands are coming home and you've got people standing at the airport saying thank you for your service. I mean, it was amazing. You know, Vietnam veterans didn't get that. However, it's what the military did to them, not only over there, but when they came home and they're still doing to them today. And David had the guts and the courage to say, not only tell people what really was going on, but he stood up against it. And now his movie is incorporating some of, and not everything about our military is bad. I'm not saying that because I love my country and I would fight and die for my country. But, you know, we also, we're not perfect. We have some really screw, screw people that, that do things. But David was a, a real soldier. I mean, in every, every, I don't know, definition of the word, every, every way you could look at it. He, he loved his country. He fought for his country, but he also loved his family and he loved his wife and he, he loved his child. And he, you know, he wanted to show what he had learned. And because of that, then all of a sudden he became the enemy of the state, so to speak. And maybe, you know what I mean? In the eyes of a lot of people, he became the enemy of the state. And it took courage for him to do that. And to see people like Danny August Mason and Sean Wright and Mason Hendricks and, you know, Chris Peck, all these other people, you know, all of them, I can't name all of them, but, you know, to take him and take his name and then without thought and without even a shred of, of remorse, call him what they've called him is disgusting. I agree. I agree. And thanks, Star. Um, I think I know which one. I think that's from the Ron Paul uh, Ron Paul Fest or the Paul Fest, whatever. But yeah, um, I'll definitely go and find that. I do. I think I have that somewhere, too. So we'll go and find that and add that to the uh, to the list of times David says he'll never kill himself. There it is. All right. Let's keep going on here. All right. Back to our buddy. Not pictures, questions on spiritualism and his placement within society and also as a filmmaker. Um, so I don't know if that, that part, but the discussions that we had before, I know that he wouldn't be suicidal because David was the one of the strongest guys I've ever. There it is right there. I'm going to go back a few seconds. Then. It's very important. Listen to what he's saying. So yeah. that, that part, but the discussions that we had before, I know that he wouldn't be suicidal. Discussions that we had before, I know that he wouldn't be suicidal. Here we have another person who's saying David wouldn't be suicidal, while at the same time saying David was suicidal. Suicidal, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting, this choice of words, our discussions at the time, at the time. Oh. suicidal. Nice so it's, it's like, yeah, you got to catch what he's saying. So then it's <laughs> kind of like, well, yeah, he, he never said he would do that then, but it leads the person who's going to now go, well, then what about now? Maybe he's right. Yes. Back to the deceiver. I, <laughs> I agree, Star. <laughs> his breathing. Oh, I didn't, yes. I didn't catch yes, his breathing. Yeah. He does the, the catching his breath. Watch. The, his face reaction. Do you see yes, his shoulder? No. Was, what's, what's, yes. oh, the shoulders? The okay. shrugging. Yeah. Ah, the shrugging. Interesting. It's it's all deceptive. That's all deceptive behavior. So strange. 
He means suicidal. I guess maybe it's a it's a Freudian slip or something. But he said not <laughs> suicidal. That's all I know. All right. All right. Because uh, David was the one of the strongest. I'll go back. So I don't know if that that part, but. The discussions that we had before, I know that he wouldn't be suicidal because David was the one of the strongest guys I've ever met before in my life, not only intellectually, but just physically all around. Um, when you think of alpha males, he was like to the T of that. Um, so that's why, and like I said, I, for me to say that it was a suicide and dual mur uh, murder, it's hard enough to actually have those words come out of my mouth. Do I truly believe that? I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to look at the reports. I'm very analytical. I, I know David, um, but at the same time, um, I got to look at the bigger picture and all the facts and from the information that's um, coming in and what David was doing and kind of where he was emotionally at that time. Um, it's, some of it, it is up to speculation because the contact with him became less and less uh, in the course of a couple months ago, and that just wasn't me. It was his family and his friends on the same time. So, so like I said... He was he, to some extent. I just want to say he's he's talking about um, that the contact became less and less, right? So the contact. Um, let me go back where we are. So the contact became less and less. He doesn't explain. Doesn't give you any context or anything because he does not because that would show okay well maybe the this distancing had nothing to do with David committing these crimes. Maybe the distancing actually had something to do with David and these guys having some sort of a falling out or something like that, right? Well, and it's very, um, <laughs> hi, Rick, cryptic. <laughs> That's what just happened. I just wanted to use the word, not cryptic, but cryptic, that, cryptic. <laughs> um, you know, he, he does this. It's very, you know, it's, he, he's very sneaky about pulling the attention away from him on one aspect. It's like, okay, yeah, we really weren't close, but then all of a sudden he's choosing his words carefully, but at the same time, he doesn't know what he's saying because he feels flustered. So he, that's why I think he does a lot of his, um, and he does a lot of sharp intakes, this type of thing, just before he's about ready to go off on something he knows is not necessarily true. It's a tell. That's his mm. tell, you know, but when you notice when he's talking about how David being a strong person and, a, and, you know, emotionally, mentally, did you see how calm and how direct and his words he wasn't fumbling over? And then the very next time when he's going to be deceptive or, or come up with his own little ideology, it's the shoulder shrug, the, the sharp breath, and then the, the da, 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 da. It, he has definite tells. Yeah. Yeah, and I did. Uh, Tony mentioned this um, nice Mason hand sign at 1919. He is holding the mask. I, I'm not even catching any of this stuff that people I are. That <laughs> I'm not catching any of this. I'm like, I'm looking at what does he have behind him? If you look uh, at, at this screen, well, let me, I guess I got to go back. I want to see him holding the mask. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess this is like a Masonic. Oh, it is. It is. Yes, that is. Okay. But uh, I do that too. We just it's just a nervous habit that I do, but that is correct. That is a, a Freemason sign. Okay, I didn't know that. I get I, I I may do that. If you look in this, if you're looking at the camera, look um on the far left hand side behind him, uh there's like a door. Yeah, I don't know if anybody can see the cursor or not, but there's a door there or something or a window, whatever it is. And then over here there's a spiral well, thing. So the spiral the, the um the the comment so I can oh, see. That would probably help. Yeah, <laughs> Just a little. That okay. may help. 
Okay, so see that little circular thing back there? Yeah. Okay, so if you pay attention to that, it's kind of like one of those like windy little road things. It's like a, a spiral, right? That kind of goes through with this. So it can be associated with mind control, symbolisms, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen it associated with a lot of different things. It's just interesting that he had that back there. Yeah. That's all. That is all. Uh, let's see. Let's keep it. withdrawing. Yeah, well, he was withdrawing, but like, again, yeah, that wasn't wanted... unusual. No, it wasn't unusual because re I, I want to reinstate that he, he was coming up with a couple of new directions for what I'm he wanted go back to do with the go back just a little bit. It is up to speculation because the contact with him became less and less uh, in the course of a couple months ago, and that just wasn't me. It was ago. his family and his friends at so, the same time. So, so he like I said, with, he said, he says a couple months ago, um, but their beef, their thing really started back in May. I think it started in, in, as early as May 2014. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even earlier because why is why is David writing Danny August Mason's character out of the latest script? The two, yep. the May 2014 script does not have Danny August Mason's character in it. Nope. Why? And why? plus, you know, the uneasiness at the birthday party had nothing to do. And, and they tried to make it about David and Kamel had nothing to do with the two of them and had everything to do with David and them. It was the interactions between them. Right. Right. And and it's interesting how he, he makes it, you know, it's not, oh, he wasn't just, just distancing himself from us. That was from, from the family, too. Yeah, see, that's what so, I'm. That's what I was talking about. That cryptic. Right. He's he's throwing stuff in there, like you know, to take it off. Okay, so if he just says, "Oh well, he was distancing himself from me," then all of a sudden the eyes would then go whoop, onto him. But so right. he throws in other deflectors. Right. Good point. Was to some extent withdrawing. Yeah, well, he was withdrawing, but like again, but that wasn't wanted... unusual. No, it wasn't unusual because See, I again, it wasn't unusual for him to with to withdraw. Yet he withdraws. It's unusual. They're all all this stuff is supposed to lead us. It, it's it's really for weak-minded people. They're really just trying to attract the weak-minded people who really don't understand anything about this case. Who just want to believe that this was another case of a soldier who went crazy and killed his family, and he happened to be on the on the other side. He happened to be a, a a libertarian, a Ron Paul guy, which was one of the worst things you could be at that time for right. many of these people because you had people on the left or blue people. Then you had the right and the, the red and everything. So all of the Obama people wouldn't like David. All of the Republicans who did not like Ron Paul because they felt like he was stealing votes from them, they wouldn't yeah. like David. This guy is found himself right in the middle, and he he did he didn't care, he didn't care about that. So it's pretty interesting, and I, I thought a lot of these guys were right there too. You know, I thought they were all kind of Ron Paul guys too, and I don't know, I mean, or or liber, libertarians and everything, but this is not the behavior. Of libertarian it's not the behavior of freedom lovers it's not the behavior of people that love this country it's not the behavior of people that understand in this country in the greatest country ever you are innocent until proven guilty their behavior does not match any of that stuff even seven years later and it's more shameful now because they have more access to all of those documents to everything that we know about david crowley and they still want to act like david crowley is guilty it's very shameful I, I want to reinstate that he, he was coming up with a couple of new directions for what he wanted to proceed with gray states. Uh, <clears throat> and 
when he gets in that mode, I just let him get in that mode. And we, and I've been with him that part of that mode when he gets kind of into the creative state. And it's one of those things you got to let him, let him be, let him process, let him get in all the things down that he wants to show you. So he's able to actually explain it to you fully without you asking questions. And then him becoming frustrated on it because like I said, his mind works like a thousand miles an hour and everything. Um, so, and also with that, it's just that with the news and everything, and I, I, I can see how getting that news out and people relating that, that I'm not suicidal. And with a lot of people who are within the world of conspiracy and saying that he was, you know, outed by the government, I don't, I don't think he actually was outed by the government on this because of, like I said, the relationship and you like it, you being an outsider and us being close family. Um, but we are, I know that we're working thoroughly on like investigating it and we are not, we know that we have a long road ahead of us. <laughs> this is, that's, that's, that's too much. Uh, do you that's see him tripping over his words left and right? I mean, this, <laughs> this, again, this is one of his tells. He's lying out his butt. Yeah, it's talking point after talking point, jumping over talking points on yes. top of other talking points. I just want to go back there for a few, there's a, there's a few things said there. Bad news out and people relating that, that I'm not suicidal. And with He's almost saying like, yeah, he's almost discrediting the, the news that there is evidence that David says he's not suicidal. Yeah. A lot of people who are within the world of conspiracy. And within the world of conspiracy, which is what this guy has based his whole thing on. This is what all these people who have been latching themselves, leeching off of David, have based their whole existence on. Yeah. Is the conspiracy. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they're like these higher, you know, I don't know. This this is just, this is too much for me. This too much. And seeing that he was, you know, outed by the government, I don't. Outed, and that's the other thing. That was the main thing. They had to create two, two sides. We yep. have the Democrats. We have the Republicans. And that's it. Nothing else matters. This is kind of the same thing. We have either David did it or the government did that's it. Those are the only choices you guys are given. I don't think he actually was outed by the government on this because of, like I said, the relationship and you like it, you being an outsider and us being close family. Because of um, the relationship. What is he talking about there? I don't understand that. Because of the, the relationship. He wasn't well, outed by the government. Well, he's he then is, I think, going to try to go on and explain what he means because oh, okay. and then he's saying, well, because, of course, Ben's an outsider, but he, of course, is family. Well, he's not family. David didn't want anything to do with him. Not <laughs> didn't, didn't he just say like a minute ago, David, David was distancing himself from Yes, him? yeah. All and of a sudden he's... Out, yeah, we would know because uh, we're family. Okay. Mm. No, you don't. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> but we are, I know that we're working thoroughly on like investigating. That's a key word right there. They're working thoroughly on investigating. They're citizen investigators just like Dan and myself and everyone else. <laughs> well, and you're talking about his body language. Look at his face right now. That is a face that he's trying to convey sincerity. Believe him when he says that mm. they're they're going to be looking into this. And it's all crap. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's see what else. What else does my buddy have to say here? it and we are not we know that we have a long road ahead of us the, the the thorough investigation thing is so interesting because that is exactly 
what the police will will say that they did a thorough investigation. It's also what Kenneth Maines says when Dan hired Dan Hinnon hired um, Kenneth Kenneth Maines to to as a private investigator. We should have just paid Steven Sanziri the money. We we could have got much more out of, out of a real PI. You know what? And this is something that most I don't think gets stated enough about Kenneth Maines. Yeah. Oh my God. He, no, that man shouldn't. He should not even have a license. He admits. <laughs> Admit when, especially when it came back, the report came back, and and um, and Dan was like, you know, and he's like, okay, I read the reports, and and I think according to the reports that yeah, he did it, and then we're like, well, yeah, if you only read the reports and read what they say, why would you think otherwise? So we're like, we had questions, and then Dan presented with those questions. Well, what about this? Did this and this and this add up? Oh, I didn't look at that. Oh, I didn't even know that was there. Oh, there are photos. Oh, wait a minute. No, I didn't read that. Oh, I guess I'll go back and read it again. He never went back and read it, never once answered any of the questions and admitted he didn't read and look at the photos and then compare notes. He just read some reports and said, oh, well, yeah, the reports are correct. No, they wrote the reports. Yeah, that they did. But the report, I mean, the guy was an absolute nincompoop boo. <laughs> well, he also watched Eric Nelson's film give him some credit for that and that didn't raise questions i mean and, and again this not. tells me that he didn't do any research at all even on that because um i found that article where they said we were um leading it we we had a directive and we wanted to make sure that people followed what we wanted and when they did we were happy with it so it was not about presenting a case with facts they had a narrative led toward that narrative and when people followed that narrative they considered it a success mm. that's that's not investigation and that's not a documentary that's that's a smear campaign and the fact that kenneth Maines, the numb nut couldn't figure that out and the fact again i don't like him and it's not because he said david if he had said okay i looked at this photo and i compared this and i read and here's why this makes sense i could have respected that and i think we all would have said oh okay, cool, maybe we were wrong, we'll go. But to, to not do any investigation at all, to read one report, which took him forever to do because he wasn't reading it and wanted to come up with a you know, conclusion anyway. He, he just stole money is all he did. He stole money from Dan and walked away, patting himself on the back. And then you've got those who are like saying David's guilty going, oh yeah, see, see, even he said it, this guy, He's he has no credibility whatsoever. No, right. because when we asked him certain questions about certain pieces of evidence, he's like, oh, they did that. Oh, that was in there. Don't tell me you investigated anything if you don't know a blatant piece of evidence. <laughs> Sorry, I guess, you know, I don't like him. I guess not. No, I kind of I kind of gleaned that a little <laughs> bit, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> just, just a little bit there. <laughs> All right, let's continue on. Um, let's continue. And it's going to take a lot for us to fully digest the actual claim of a... To fully digest. It's going to take a lot to digest. Well, they ate this sucker, hook, line, and sinker. They opened up their mouth and just digested all of this shit. And what came out of their ass? The same shit. Exactly. The same old, same old. Murder-suicide. 
Uh, murder suicide at that point. Murder suicide at that point. <laughs> at that point. At that point. From day one. I, it's just it's just baffling to me how they can question so many other things. Not going to question this. Shameful and really shows their their true colors. These people don't care about truth. They don't care about what is really happening here. It's all about them. So, yeah, until I get all the facts in, and I know that his family feels the same way, and I know... They said that, and so we waited. We watched this interview and waited for the facts. The facts came out, and what did they do with the facts? They completely ignored them. Why would you do that if you care about the facts? Um, his close friends feel the same way. Uh, like, like, you know, like everybody else, it still doesn't sit right um, because we don't want to believe it. In it, and uh, but we just don't want people to do anything stupid on it and use it for a justification for some other tragedy. Danny, as we, which is what they did, which is what they basically did, is they used it to make themselves look like like a victim when people started questioning. How could you guys believe this theory? How could you guys ever buy into this that your friend did this? There's a child killer out there, however you want to look at it, whether it's David or whether it's somebody else. We need there, – there needs to be some factual evidence for the common person to understand who did this here. The police have not given us that. The friends have not given us that. The family has not given us that. They can speculate and they can think whatever they want about David, all right? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about what proves that we don't have to worry about a child killer out there. Is there anything? And in order to do that, we have to be able to say, this is what proves David did it. And if we can't prove David did it, then we can't just act like David did it. Does that make sense? I don't know. Makes sense to me. Well, Maybe I'm living in a dream absolutely. world. Absolutely. You know, it really does make sense. <laughs> All right. I, I can't do this. I'm so busy touching my chin. I <laughs> I'm just going to keep my hand on my chin from now on and <laughs> go from there. We wrap up here and I thank you so much for your time and for this conversation today. There are a lot of fans of Gray State, of the project, certainly of David and what he was doing, fans of yours, people who have stood with you all and supported this project for a long time. And I know the question is going to be raised and so I would be remiss if I did not ask you, where does the project stand? What can you speak to as far as that goes? What do people need to know about where it goes from here? Because this project obviously bigger than just you or even just David. It, it is a project and a labor for a lot of folks. Just wondering what you can tell us as far as the future of Gray State. Um, for all the fans who've been supporting us, uh, we couldn't have done it with, you know, Without the help with you guys, I know that we're going to be, and this is going to be also the, uh, the representatives of Gray State, we, for, just for our own personal um, dealing with the matter and coping and um, making sure we're at a good spot, we're going to go black for a while until we can fully understand where the direction is going to be. I'm going to stop right there. This thing where they, where they talk about going, going dark. Um, this this was a this was a key moment here for me. It's like wow, you guys are you guys are going dark. So you're gonna make your comments and you're going to accuse this man and then go dark. How about go dark first? How about just keep your mouth shut? Don't say anything. Let the investigators do their job and let's all just look at what is happening here. But look at how quickly they were just like, no, we need to make sure they wanted to steer this to to anyone 
any groups, the Facebook groups. We had a Facebook group and a Facebook page. These idiots contacted both of the owners of the Facebook page, which is um, Justice for David Crowley of Gray State, created by Thomas Lapp. And they contacted Dan Hinnon, the creator of the Justice for David, for David Crowley and Family Facebook group. They contacted both of them wanting admin rights. They wanted to control these two groups or the group and this page. But then they're, they're going to go dark. You know why they went dark? Because nobody was buying their crap. They had to go dark. Because if they kept talking, if they kept running their yappers, it would only – and probably the police probably told them this too. Like you guys are not doing us any favors. You're actually making this, this whole thing worse, which I believe they actually were, especially this particular interview right here really opened up my eyes. Remember, I'm, I'm seven days in, not even seven days in at this point watching this. Uh, knowing, you know, I, I knew a little bit about Ben Swan. I've seen Ben Swan on, uh, I think, on Alex Alex Jones, and I've seen, you know, some other things that Ben Swan has done. I, I still like ben, ben Swan, but it's just like, wow, this is really it. You guys, <laughs> you guys are making this whole thing worse. You're not helping your case. You're not helping anything. You're just raising more questions, not only about what the of what the official investigation what the official narrative is what the, what these guys who were right there with david it raises speculation towards them and i think once they realized that that's when they decided to go dark yeah and and too it's like yeah how dark could they have gone when they're <laughs> going straight to the page and not only and then sending you messages because you've posted that from Mason Hendricks. Plus, we've seen what Sean Wright has said is vulgarity and and coming out and, and calling, basically telling you, um, the world that you and Dan are complete a holes because you're torturing everybody. It's our fault. Like you're yeah, standing our... up for a man, and that's torturing somebody. But it's okay, and you're all right by calling him a murderer without any proof whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, their self-justification is amazing. <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting. There's only a, a few, a few more minutes here, people. Thank you all for suffering with us. I appreciate that. I don't have to suffer myself. By myself. Here we go. Because a lot of the vision behind Gray State was David, and we don't know how to, until the extent <laughs> we can get the full idea. Where we don't know what to do. Is what he's basically saying. We have no idea what to do now. David wanted to go with it. I want to get to that point and then make sure we can stick and make the the best, the purest, best vision that David wanted. That's the key right there. This is the proof that we were looking for, that we were looking at. They wanted to make sure that this project moved forward. So here's the biggest question. Here's one of the biggest questions that I've had is how can they move forward with this? They're going to move forward, try to move forward with the project that is associated with someone they are labeling as a child killer, as a domestic ab abuser, a soldier who went crazy and killed everybody who snapped. That's the project they want to move forward with. I mean, they don't. It's it just doesn't make any any sense to me why they would want to do that. I never understood that. For it, because that's what David deserves. 100%. That's what David deserves. No, if David is a child killer, if David is a coward who killed himself and killed his wife, he doesn't deserve anything. He does not deserve to have his movie or have his project or have his name continued on 
or blasted or anything like that. No. If David is guilty, then the project should die with him. It's a failed exactly. project by somebody who failed his family, uh, failed him himself, failed this country, and failed everybody who was following him, whoever his followers were. It's This is really weird to me. This was one of the main talking points, and you brought it up, Catherine, about the uh, date. I think, I think the first, and I could be wrong. I have to check my records, but I think the first time Sean Wright contacted me is actually the day after this interview happens. I think he contacted me on on uh, January twenty fourth. That would have been one day after this interview happened. The interview hadn't aired yet. The interview doesn't air until the the twenty seventh. But um, I wanted to make sure that. You know, if, if we had a, a, a date and a time, and thanks to Zach Carter, we definitely do, a date and, a, and a, a, a date when this interview was actually made, not when it was posted. So it was made on the 23rd, posted on the 27th, 2015. Being any kind of sidestepping that at all. Um, I think there will be something that will come from this. I don't know what it will be right now. What, what do we have that came from this? We have Eric Nelson's film that's what came from this go and look up who are the producers executive producers co-producers of eric nelson's film a a gray state those people made money off of david's death off of kamel's death off of a five-year-old child's death they made money off off of that don't even come at me and try to accuse me of making money off of anything <laughs> Not only did they make money, but then they nominated themselves for an award at Hollywood. Oh, is that right? Oh, I what missed that hell? one. Oh, yeah. I, I looked into it. They nominated what do you mean? themselves. They nominated themselves for, <laughs> okay, for, the, for like the best documentary of 2017 so. yeah, or something? Yeah, I think so. I, whatever wow. it was. But it was like, oh, holy cow. And and again, it's okay with everyone from that side of the of the argument it's okay that they all make all this money, but if you do a book and you give it away, and if somebody wants to buy it in print, they can, all of a sudden, you're the horrible person. Of course. How dare I? Because I'm not, I'm not a part of, of, their, of their crew. I'm not a part of their fan club, right? I'm on right. the outs. Right, because if you had written everything and, and used their narrative, they would be praising you <laughs> and probably handing you cash. Yeah, you're right. They'd be throwing money at me while I'm while I'm on a pole dancing. They would throw that you money even right. Need the pole. <laughs> when, without the pole. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, okay, let's. Uh, uh, Dan is looking. There's some great comments. I I know I'm not. I'm really trying to catch all these comments, but I'm uh, not not catching them all. Uh, gotta catch them all. What is that from? Pokemon. All right, almost done here. Right now, but I know that we won't stop at it. Um, I know that it will take. We won't stop at it. We won't. Yeah, and and it only takes him what a couple months, and then he's trying to continue it. If you want, or if you listen to the interview Dan Hinnon did with um, Michael Bogio, which is the president of of the 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 Michael Entertainment Group. The guys that David was working with, when we talk about the $25 million budget, when we talk about this deal, this Hollywood deal that David had up until he died. The only reason that the, the Hollywood deal ended was because David died. When we talk about that, we're talking about Mike Bogio. 
and if you watch that, um, if or if you just listen to it, you can you can hear where Mike Bozio talks about that even after David died, people were still trying to pitch him the Gray State Project. They were still trying to pitch it to him as this is something that we can do. They were showing him different reels, and we can get into that with Joe Biggs and some other interesting things related to Danny August Mason. They were trying to move forward with this. And it's just I'm just like, are you guys that brain dead? Do you guys not? It just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense to me. Now I was on a phone call with Mason Hendricks at the time when I learned about this and I showed him uh, I sent Mason Hendricks a couple screenshots of what Danny August Mason was doing. And according to what he said, he had no idea. He was actually pretty upset with it, pretty upset with it, to the point where he said if Danny August Mason continues down this road, that Mason Hendricks would deliver Danny August Mason's head to me on a platter. Obviously, I don't think he's he physically meant he's going to cut Danny August Mason's head off and then send it to me. No, no, no. <laughs> but, there's, but there is something there. It's like, well, what do you have on Danny August Mason that could actually – uh, figuratively put Danny August Mason's on a head where I would use it and do something with it. What do you, what do you have on Danny August Mason? What does he have on you? Because Danny August Mason pretty much contacted me saying something very similar. So there's a lot of infighting. There was a lot of in, infighting that was going on and everything, and I'm not exactly sure what was happening during this time. And that would have been... Oh, that would have been... Yeah, around 2016, 2017, right around the time when Eric Nelson's film came out. It was a pretty crazy, crazy time there. But um, so there were some weird things that that were that were going on where the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Danny August Mason was posting. Um, he, I think he, on because he had access to the the Gray State their their YouTube channel, so he posted something that he was not supposed to post a little two minute three minute trailer or something like like that and sean wright got all bent out of out of shape and all this stuff so there's like there's just all of this weird infighting with all of these guys that pretty much gives you a glimpse at that time it gives you a glimpse into what was going on with them and and david crowley right imagine how much they were they were trying to um take credit for all of, of this stuff with David Crowley when they were all infighting afterwards. It's like you guys are fighting over a project created by somebody that you accuse of being a child killer. And you want to take his project and do something with it? I just never understood that. I know I'm just, I've said that many, too many times. The gray state will take a new shape and form, and but we won't comment. The gray state will take a new shape and form, and that's exactly what they do. Danny August Mason... Um, created something called Dream State, and I think that is kind of his spinoff of Gray State. And he tried to lay some claims to David Crowley's work and everything, and that didn't really work out well for him either. Then he became a Freemason. Then he had some domestic issues, some criminal yeah, issues was, too. He was yeah twice for um, domestic violence, felony domestic violence. pressed against him twice. Isn't it interesting how you have at least two of these guys who have claimed that David is a domestic uh, abuser and they act, there's actually facts that they are? That's pretty interesting. Yep. Compromise. 
I know that because I won't in general because I feel like I'll be compromising a good friend and uh, a visionary, and that's what David was. And I know that there's been a lot of pour out and people wanting to help, and if they want to help, what they can do is that uh, Dan Crawley, uh, David's brother. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, you gotta you got to hear this part here. Um, this has since been taken down, this GoFundMe. I'll just let him talk. And I know that there's been a lot of pour out and people wanting to help, and if they want to help, what they can do is that uh, Dan Crawley, uh, David's brother, um, we met, we've been meeting with him a lot just uh, in this time of need, and we set up a uh, GoFundMe campaign for uh, Komel, David's wife, uh, for them, for Rainy, because of Komel's um, mother is... It's currently... Uh, they, set up, they set this up for Kamel and for Rania? No, they didn't set this up for Kamel and for Rania. This is all for Kamel's mom. I, wow. I'll keep going. Uh, for them, for Rainy, because of Kamel's um, mother is... It's currently uh, on her deathbed, and uh, she's dying from cancer. And... They're don't ha they don't have any life insurance and they're in Waco, Texas, and their bills are uh, over somewhere's of five million dollars right now. And we know that this is crazy. That is this such is, a lie. It's there's so many. This it's just talking points. And she wasn't even on her deathbed. She didn't. You know, unfortunately, she did pass away. But that was this last year or two. Back then, she was not on her deathbed. Right. Oh. Right at at this point, but that's what they were being. So who was telling them this? And the other thing is, well, we were in we. He always says we. It's we, right? It's this whole group of people. Yeah, we know who, who the cast himself. characters, yeah. right? We were in contact with David's brother, right? With with uh, Danny, Danny Crowley, and they're creating the whole thing. Or Dan Dan Crowley with the most suspicious thing, the most weird thing that Dan Crowley Jr. ever did was create a GoFundMe page for Kamel's mom. I don't know if he ever met Kamel's mom. Did well, he and, know and Kamel's Dan, mom at all? Dan, Danny August Mason just said, and we, he, we helped, we, we created this page. Well, yeah, why would they? What does Kamel's mom have to do with any of this? You know, and, and then try to use David and Kamel. I mean, her mom, they had insurance. They could deal with it. Like every other American in the world, we have to deal with our medical bills. And wow, it, I'm sorry, this is gonna piss me off. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> medical bill five five million dollars is a lot for medical bills. Where did where does that number come from? And second of all, why does Kamel's family ask Dan Crowley to take this GoFundMe page down? down? <laughs> Yeah, why was this even created? They found out about it? Weren't they like, wait a second, don't do this? Why are you doing this? They yeah. never even talked to them about it. It was like almost an insult to the family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. They don't. Do you really think that they needed that much of five million dollars? No. Yeah, no, they did. Five million dollars, really? And it wasn't in the name of them. It was in their name. Yeah, this this all Dan, went in. This yeah, all went Dan to Dan Crowley Jr. Jr. Right, I, it's just, it's just weird. It's just like, yeah, this is why you guys need to go dark. You shouldn't have done any of this. You're not helping the investigation. You're doing a pretty good job at, you know, raising, raising many eyebrows. 
but you're not doing a very good job of just letting the police do what they do and figure out what happened here. Yep. It's really odd, really odd. But this GoFundMe thing, I think, is one of the most – it doesn't matter how many times I learn about this you know, or listen to this or hear people talk about this back then. It's so frustrating. Let's go back. Because of Kamel's um, mother is – it's currently uh, on her deathbed, and uh, she's dying from cancer. And they're don't ha they don't have any life insurance, and they're in Waco, Texas, and their bills are uh, over somewhere of five million dollars right now. And we know that we probably won't hit that mark with what we have, but we to to make something good come from this, we would like people if they can. And I think um, you you should have the link with you, Ben. Um, and if you could put it up there, up there on your site, that'd be great. Um, whatever they can do to kind of funnel that and just keep, um, you know, the Crawleys in their thoughts, the Comel's family in their thoughts too. And just know that it, it could be a little while, but it's not going to stop us in our tracks. Right now, we just have to take some time so we can pro um, grieve and just, you know, take care <laughs> of ourselves first. This is how we you don't, grieve. Then what we try to come out with, with, uh, the idea with Gracie and the vision that David had will not even come close to it. And the last thing I want to do and everybody else associated with part of the team, we do not want to let the fans down and not get what we wanted to out originally. If David they don't want to let the fans down, but they have no idea with telling the fans that David is a murderer. It's a child killer. No problem with that, but we don't want to let you guys down. Right. We don't have any facts to back up any of these things they're saying about David, but we don't want to let you down. Yeah, we so have we're, no we're, we're gonna... <laughs> using David's name, but there oh, you go. he was a killer. But there give us go. the money all in David's name. He, he killed his daughter. Oh, but right. we really want to help the family, but David is a murderer. <laughs> oh, you, oh. It's money. It's money with this GoFundMe thing. It's money with moving forward. It's money, 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 money. <laughs> Where is, is the truth? Where is the truth? Where is, you know what? Forget the money, guys. We're going to find out what really happened here. If David did this, then he's a piece of crap, and we're going to show you guys why. And if he didn't do this, then we're going to find out what, what really happened here. That's where these guys should be. That's where they should have been. What happened? Because if this was another case, if this was somebody that they didn't know, and this was a big primetime case, they probably would have jumped all over it. Yep. But no, it's different. It's all different. David was around. <clears throat> yeah, and, and Danny, again, I want to thank you for your time so much, Danny Mason. And by the way, folks, I, I want to just second what he said there. You know, there are a lot of people frustrated right now. There are a lot of people who are feeling Fuck a variety yeah. of emotions from sadness to anger to frustration to disbelief. Uh, if you're one of those people and you're watching this and you're wondering, how can I channel energy right now? Don't do something stupid. One of the things you can do in channeling that energy is to support the family of this man who is really struggling right now. We'll put the GoFundMe here in the, the, the link on YouTube and also at BenSwan.com. So if you're watching in either location, absolutely a way that you can help and that you can uh, find a way to be useful uh, in, this, in this time, a very difficult time. <laughs> yeah, they're struggling because they want your money. Yeah, yeah. Camille, Camille's family doesn't care about that. They probably didn't even want this mentioned. Right. This is something they they had at this point had at least been dealing with since uh, the summer of 2014. 
you know, like, what does this have to do with any of, I don't know, it's just, it's really odd. They're using this forum. Yeah, um, they're using the the um, health issues of Camille's mother as a means to make money for themselves. Because, you know, if they had gone and, and talked to um, Mr. Alam and said, hey, you know, do you mind if we do this in her memory or to try to help her in memory of Camille? They didn't do any of that. They just jumped on the bandwagon, put this right. GoFundMe page up, put it under Dan Jr.'s name and said, oh, we're doing this for them. And then their family goes, um, excuse me, take this down. Right. So we, we see the motivation right there. It had nothing to do with the family. And the family obviously didn't feel it had anything to do with them. <laughs> no. And from what I, from what, um, I think with the interview that I did with, um, uh, Kamel's uh, family friend, it sounded like no, they didn't really, they didn't know about this and they didn't need that money. They didn't need right. anything like that. Right. Um, at some point, Kamel's mom does get better for wh whatever is happening here. She does recover for a, for a, a little while. And I think she did recently pass, but um, she did get, get better. Whatever was happening here in 2015, she got a lot better from that. Yeah, she was she able was to, to go home at least. Yeah, I mean, we, obviously she was ill, and I don't think anybody questions that. But see, the drama, the the, the this is their wording that they use. Oh, she's dying. She's on her deathbed. To get the sympathy and empathy of people so they'll start forking over cash. When in reality, was she sick? Yes, but she wasn't on her deathbed. You know, you don't go on your deathbed for 12 years. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. And that hasn't right. been years I, yes that's an exaggeration but you know that's not how quote-unquote hospice works so again like you said money 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 that's all yeah and my and my stepmom was in hospice um and i i, I remember asking one of the nurses because i was you know growing up it was like i had always heard if you're in hospice you're pretty much dead okay but the nurse that i that i spoke to and maybe she was just telling me this because you know I'm asking her a general question and she's like, well, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, your, your mom is going to die basically. But she says that there are cases where people do recover out of hospice. She said years, years, years ago, it was different. If you're in hospice, you're pretty much dead. But, you know, she made it sound like in the, in the last couple of years, et cetera, et cetera, whatever, that they're, you know, medical, well, nowadays, I think they kind of use hospice as, you know, if there's really no room for them in the hospital and they need, you know, kind of treatments and somebody just kind of watch over them and they can't, can't get anybody to do in-home care, then they may put them in the hospice facility, but mm -hmm. they don't go around telling you, okay, they're on their deathbed, we're putting them in hospice, and then, you know, a month later, they're, they're going home. That's not how it works. And back then, especially, that wasn't how it worked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long she was in hospice for, but it, it sounded like, you know, she had no idea what, what was going on during this this time. And I think a lot of that, um, especially after when um, the other interview people need, I wish we had the audio, but it wasn't a recorded interview. But Dan Hinnon did speak to Kamel's dad. And from what he was, you know, from what Dan Hinnon has said based on his notes, from that talk, which Kamel's family has never said that there was anything wrong or that what, what Dan Hannon said publicly was was wrong. So they've never, you know, they've never denied that this this conversation happened. They've never said that anything that Dan has said 
uh, wasn't wasn't true. And it was it seemed like Kamel's dad also has had questions and probably has questions. And I think the more that the family and probably on both sides, these are two big families. They have extended family, too. Yeah. And the more time that passes, the more that they think about it, the more evidence, the more facts that they have access to, the more that there's a possibility that they may actually help us at, at some point. They may actually say, you know what, okay. Let's at least prove Greg and Dan wrong. Let's prove this Justice for David Crowley Family Facebook group wrong once and for, for all. And I think that's really hard for them because I think that they know if they try to do that, they're going to end up right here with us yeah. with more, more questions. They're going to end up suing the Apple Valley Police Department for this crap investigation. I, I know that they've already had issues with these gray state goons, these guys who claimed to act like they were with them and they wanted to help them and everything. And I think just fed them a lot of BS. Danny, thank you so much for your time and thank you guys for watching. We'll see you again soon. So that's that's how they, that's how they end it there. Um, it just all ends with, um, you know, the same old, same old thing. So um, I don't know, Catherine, you have any final words? I'm going to go through some of these um, uh, comments here in, um, uh, what is Rick saying? Um, only um, Sean Wright, and that's because, um, yeah, Sean Wright, and that's because he contacted me, and he was very rude, very condescending, and would constantly call me really horrible names. So one time I told him, said, dude, you don't know me. Don't talk to me like that. And if you can't be nice and a decent human being, then don't talk to me at all. And that was the last we had. Interesting. But he blamed David all over the place and telling me what an, I was for trying to say David was, was innocent. <laughs> this is their friend. Yeah. This is their friend. You're defending their quote unquote friend, but you're, you're the bad yeah. guy. Yeah. You're the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, now I see why you, you wanted to do this. And, and I agree with everybody. His body, Danny's body language is so telling. He has a lot of tells, a lot of giveaways. There's very few instances where he was speaking truth in this interview. And why this wasn't a red flag to everybody. I mean, the police, to BCA, to even Ben Swan, you know, hello. You can see that this guy is not being truthful and honest. Right. Right. Yep. Um, well, I think that is, I think that will kind of wrap this up here. Um, let's see if there's anything. There's so many good comments coming in. I wish I had more time to really spend on them. But I do want to thank everybody here. Uh, for joining us, and thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Will, for jumping in, and uh, everybody in our awesome chat room. Um, I really appreciate that, and we will definitely be back talking more. I think we're done with this with this part, but um, well, there's <laughs> obviously there's still a lot more to cover, a lot more things to to talk about. Um, so we will definitely be back here. Thank you all for joining us live. I really appreciate it. Catherine, any, any final word? Catherine, tell us about your, your latest video, your latest two videos that you just did on your channel. Um, oh, I, I know I did a live stream, finally did a live stream with Sophie and I. Yeah, I, I really wish you were there. You, 
Okay, I know. If I if I could have, I would have been there. I think I was at my dad's wedding. At that yeah, you point, you were, yeah. and you were busy. So next time the issues, Greg will take care. He'll he'll tell me what I did wrong, and, and we'll get it fixed. But that actually was really good. It went really well, and so um, I'm going to be setting up another live stream here pretty soon. Um, there's a another uh, person who's interested in the case and has been following it, Christy Strickland, who wants to uh, join in, and so I'm going to have her on. Um, but awesome. then Sophie and I just finished um, doing the blood analysis um, part two, where we went through the, the last of the items that were tested. And we go through and we show you every piece of the, they're like 90% of the evidence excludes David. David's DNA is, is excluded. So, and that's what we point out. It's like, if he's guilty of this, if he committed these murders, why is his DNA excluded from a mixture of two or more people? Wow. Oh, and Sophia put the thing up. Let's put the link in there, right there. There it is. Thank you, Sophia. That's, that's how you find Catherine. Thanks, Sophia. <laughs> Always appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will go ahead and um, shut this this one down. And um, God, God bless you all again. Thank you all very much for taking the time out to just watch this. Whatever your thoughts are, the whole interview with um, Danny August Mason and Ben Swan is out there. It's, I'm sure it's everywhere else. You can find it on my channel too. You find it on the same channel here too. In case you just want to watch it without our commentary, you can definitely do that. I was so shocked a couple, couple days ago. I went looking for it and I could not find it. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I can't find it anywhere. And I was like, oh, guess where I found it? On my, <laughs> my channel. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all there is. So anyways, we'll talk more about that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And um, until next time. in the paranormal murder mysteries cryptocurrency and thought-provoking interviews then check out crypt ricks i've been thinking on youtube or every monday night at 6 p.m eastern standard time studio a at revolution radio freedomslips.com welcome to the crypt <laughs>My name is Dan Hennen. Today is November 24th, 2018, and I'll be providing updates on the Crowley case. Crowley case updates. Tonight's episode will be called The Curious Case of Danny August Mason. And interesting things have come to light here this last week, uh, documents that have been shared with the group, and I'm going to put this into a summary uh, format that'll be easier to digest for the viewers. Now, one of the main contentions early on with this case 
along with David Crowley and the project called the Gray State was whether or not there was a contract, whether or not there was a movie deal, whether or not there was a binding contract for this movie to move forward. And so we'll address some of that tonight. It appears that was a the answer to that question it was really it's a gray uh, a gray area of what it really was. But I'll go through that tonight in certain sequences here. Let's get started. What we do have is that there was a proposal, uh, there was a deal between Gray State, the Gray State Project, and MEG, which is Michael Entertainment Group. Um, and this talks about the deal with the motion picture rights concerning an option, purchase agreement, deal, memo. And so what we have here is the document given to us in PDF format that was really made or agreed on July 25th of the year 2014. So we know David Crowley went to Hollywood, um, I believe once in May and once in June, and now we get to July uh, and there's a deal in place. I had a previous interview with Mike Boggio, uh, Mike Boggio III, he is the president of Michael Entertainment Group, um, or MEG as it's referred to here. He did say that they were under a deal. They did have a, uh, they were working toward this production of a feature film or even a web series with Gray State. So we know a deal was in place. So let's go through this contract here. It talks about the option. It talks about the various um, rights. And let's go to the second page. I'm not going to get into the details. You can certainly um, pause this video and uh, read it for yourself. But it talks about the various rights, the publishing rights, uh, various bonuses, consulting fees, travel expenses, and so on. And then here's the final piece of it. Uh, Basically, the contract here is uh, between Meg, M-E-G, and David Crowley for Gray State. Now, this contract, just to clarify, this copy that we received was not signed. So we know that a contract was proposed or a proposed, uh, a proposed deal here was, was on the books. The contention that we had was that we don't have any proof that anything was ever Signed. And this also leads us to believe uh, that still doesn't answer that question. Nothing here says anything was signed. This was just a file of the proposal. So we know David was working on a deal. Meg was working on a deal. Whether or not it was a signed contract or not is another deal. Now since this contract, we also do have evidence that came to light from David Crowley in PDF format once again, showing the invoice from a law firm called Loman Abdul, Minneapolis-based law firm. And so we see an invoice here um, at the end of July, which also makes sense. July 31st was the bill. We see the previous deal was, uh, let's go back to the date, July 25th is when they basically agreed on the deal. Now we get an invoice from the lawyers, David Crowley's lawyers working on the deal. And let's go to page two of the invoice. 
line by line itemization talking about the dates of work being done from July 9th, 10th, 12th, 15th, various number of hours and what was being done and by who. And page three of the invoice, dates showing here July 18th all the way down to July 30th. Now if you look at July 25th, there's three entries there towards the bottom talking about revising and finalizing the draft between Gray State and Meg, the deal memorandum, teleconference, and the final draft. And so it, it's fair to say that they, uh, David had legal a legal team, legal attorneys working on this deal. There was a deal, and legal team was involved. So sure enough, there was something in place. We don't know exactly what, but we've got evidence here to support that David Crowley was moving forward with some project. Now, the other piece of the puzzle, David had several companies he was working with and several companies in the state of Minnesota that he owned. And so one of them, he had to get the release documents of the other individuals that he was had uh, business relationships with. Um, this one here is a release agreement between David Crowley and Daniel and Danny August Mason. Now this is page one, basically just releasing his rights uh, this was a legal document in PDF format that requests Danny August Mason to relinquish his rights and release his you know, contractual obligations to the Gray State Project. And there's page one, and here is page two. And so we see that uh, the location here for the date and signature um, between David Crowley and Danny Mason. Now the effective date is quite interesting here and it's a and it's and it's important. The date here, effective date towards the bottom mentions August 1st, 2014. So his legal team writes up a release document as of August 1st to release Danny August Mason from any projects because we know on July 25th David had an agreement of some sort moving forward with Meg and in fact Loman Abdu Abdul uh, was performing the legal legal work on that. Um, the second one here is a release and waiver form also and this relates to if you look at the bottom his business associate Mitch Heil. Mitch Heil and Mitch was involved in Hothead Productions, Gray State LLC and in highlighted there is a company called the Bullet Exchange. And so it looks like two release forms were sent out by David Crowley asking these two individuals to sign their paperwork, uh, signature, date, send it back, and they can turn it back to the lawyers and they would have their rights relinquished here. Now we know Mitch Heil relinquished his rights and sent it back. Uh, this copy does not show him his signature or date on this, but we know that they did finish this off sometime in the month of August close the books because um, there's the the evidence of the uh, garage sale David Crowley had, had at his Ramsdale Drive address in Apple Valley selling off the excess equipment from the bullet exchange. So he had the garage sale and 
consolidated or closed out of that business and, and shut down the bullet exchange. And then by releasing the rights here for Mitch Heil on Hothead Productions and Graystate, um, left only David Crowley to be in charge of Hothead Productions as the sole ownership of that. And then it was David Crowley for Graystate and Danny August Mason uh, for Graystate LLC were the only two left. So Mitch Heil signed off. Um, he did it to save the friendship and um, shut the business down and to, to save the relationship. Uh, he'd known him from high school. So what we get next is a response from Danny August Mason back to David Crowley. Nothing happens in August. He, uh, the, the effective date was August 1st to send this back. Nothing happened uh, in August. Now we get to the end, toward the end of September. And there's a PDF file here that uh, Danny August Mason writes to David Crowley. It's a little small here, but I'll blow this up. First, Danny says, I understand the agreement refers to Gray State LLC. And then he talks about the difference is uh, between Gray State, the Rise LLC. And he was not aware of this other uh, business. And he wanted to clarify that as far as getting an understanding of what this release form relates to. Now, the release form relates to Gray State LLC. Gray State, this is where some of the other confusion comes in here. And I know we've got a, new, uh, a lot of members on the page and in the group, is the Gray State, the Rise, was a separate entity, a separate organization, a company. They actually formed a company for the documentary. Gray State, the Rise, the documentary. Gray State here, just referred to as Gray State LLC, or Limited Liability Corporation, was the feature film, the full-length fiction-based feature film that was supposed to be uh, made, produced, and shown on the, on the big screen, or perhaps in a, in a web series. This was the one that the contract is, is for, is Gray State only. And so the first bone of contention here between Danny August Mason is clarifying which company. The second paragraph, before I can sign any sort of release concerning Gray State, I request in exchange that you sign documentation allowing me, quote, complete access and control to Gray State, the RISE LLC. You have stated many times before this project is of no interest to you. I would like to continue to work on this project with Robert Hoyt and produce a finished product project for our fans. I request that you sign over ownership of the LLC and sign a similar waiver and release of claims that you are now requesting of me. So this is very interesting. This is almost a almost a demand um, or you could call this in legalese a counter offer from the first request that's being sent. A counter offer. Now he's also you know he's asking for the rise which is the documentary. that David was working on toward the end. Now the very last paragraph says, I cannot sign the agreement as in for a handful of reasons, but most importantly because I've dedicated four years to Gray State. I have been intimately involved in the creating, casting, development, production, and marketing 
of the project to this point. I invested my time and energy, often at the expense of my job and financial security, with the understanding that eventually I would receive compensation. Though I have received nominal compensation, I believe that I'm right, rightfully entitled to 10% of the gross revenue of whatever may be generated from Gray State moving forward. I would request that documentation be executed prior to me releasing any other claims or rights I have. And so this is back on that September 26th uh, response memo from Danny August Mason to David Crowley. So the first, uh, when we're talking numbers about this Gray State movie or feature film, it has come up before that uh, part of the plan was that it would potentially be a $30 million budget film. And so this is the value of everything in the project. This is the mother load. The Gray State project, the Gray State movie, the feature film, has a value, an asset value of, of, of one could argue $30 million. And Danny August Mason is not going to sign this away too quickly, uh, knowing he's put in four years um, and has been very dedicated to this project. He's, he's, he's pointing it out here that I'd like to have at least 10% of, of whatever gets done with it. And so he's basically saying, I cannot sign the agreement. And so that was another question. We wondered if Danny August Mason ever signed it, uh, ever sent it over, ever forwarded it back to the attorneys, uh, or did he never sign the document? So I believe here that he never signed it. Uh, as it says, clearly states here that I cannot sign the agreement. Now, if we look at the timeline, there's an email correspondence back and forth between Danny August Mason and David Crowley. Going back to September 29th, and then a response on, uh, I have it highlighted, December 9th, and then the final correspondence on December 16th of 2014. Remember the bodies, uh, according to police, they think the bodies were, uh, all three were found deceased on December 20. Uh, were probably December 25th or 26th. The bodies were found by neighbors on January 17th of 2015. But now this is coming up to the to the week before, and they still haven't had this resolved. So I'm going to go through each of these responses here in timeline format. And so the very first one was on December, on September 29th. Danny August Mason wrote, uh, "David, I apologize. My apologies." I apologize for not getting this to you this weekend, was uh, busier than anticipated. Now this makes sense. His memo, his response memo was dated December 26th, which was a Thursday. Danny Mason was obviously busy on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday he gets to sending this out um, in the form of an attachment, his response. Now this is the end of September, so I think David was hoping all this would be wrapped up in, uh, in August like it was with Mitch Heil. And now we get to the end of September. Still nothing. On December 9th, uh, David writes to Danny saying, in, in, deference, in deference to your hesitation to sign the Gray State Release document, I give you these verbal guarantees. You will have A, full producer credit on the film The Rise, an unpaid position, the un and that is the rise. Once again, this is the documentary, um, which he wanted to move forward with anyway. And B, letter B, was guaranteed casting as lead role in Gray State series paid. 
So he's saying this not in legal, but basically giving his word. A verbal guarantee is all that this is. And, uh, and Danny, Crowley, Danny August Mason, I don't believe, is going to be believing this because I think at this point he's already under the assumption that he's being through, thrown under the bus or, uh, in, in a sense, double-crossed on this deal. And now we get into some very interesting chess, chess moves that are being done here between these, these two individuals. So he's going to have him full producer credit on the rise, which is fine. And then, by the way, uh, we're going to move forward with this Gray State series. You can be cast as the lead role, which is a paid position. But he still says, I'd like to have this done. I'd like to have the release finished. You'll have every opportunity to, to continue to collaborate, he says, writing and producing episodes and retaining your chair's position as a co-creator of the original concept in the public eye. But I'll not be able to sign you on to any contracted roles until you have signed, until I have your signed release document. I would like to have it by December 16th, after which we would be free to discuss a future with Gray State that's more respectful to your talents as a paid professional. Now, this is a kind of a, this is the, the shot across the bow here, um, letting him know that he means business. He gives a deadline, a hard, a hard deadline of December 16th, and also says that if it's not back by then, the most you'll ever be as a paid professional or as an, in a role as an actor only. And so Danny August Mason puts four years of his time into this, um, always has said he wanted to be the co-creator of the original concept. And, but until he signs this, he's not going to be anything. So this is December 9th at 4.50 p.m. David sends this to Danny August Mason. Now, if we remember the date, December 9th, is very important of a post on Facebook that David Crowley writes. Keep in mind now, this is the same date. And I believe this is another chess move in this um, high-stakes game of essentially life or death. David writes, can you believe it? The rise is almost done. I'm serious. She's coming out to be quite the looker. Can't wait to show you all, but I have to comb her hair for a few more weeks. Remember, this is the rise now. Nothing to do with Gray State, the project, or the feature film, or the web series. This is the rise, the documentary. Anyway, here's the important point. I'm quite serious about giving this film away. I have to I've come to abhor the AJ, which is Alex Jones' model of peddling DVDs as truth and cashing in on suckers. I have given this film years of my time, and I'm delighted for the opportunity to burn it down by giving it away. Hope you all share in the feeling. And so this is December 9th. Uh, because Danny August Mason has not released and, and signed the release document, the, the entire Gray State project, the feature film with Meg or the web series, whatever it was, is on hold and it's, on, it's, it's, it's essentially tabled. The entire project is tabled. There's nothing they can do. They're in a holding pattern until they get this release document. Danny August Mason is refusing to sign it, so there's nothing more David can do. Now, David's spending his time because he can't do anything on the project by working on the final finishing touches of the documentary called The Rise. Now he knows on, the, on December 9th when he sends this, this uh, message out on Facebook, and remember, this is the Facebook post that gets deleted after the bodies are found um, in the month of February 2015. This post off David Crowley's personal Facebook wall is, is uh, surprisingly deleted by, by someone. 
And so he's, he's, he's really threatening here to give it away. Now, the rise is a business, uh, is a business, it's a documentary to be, the plan was to sell it, to sell the documentary, TV, um, Netflix, cable, what have you. Now, he's talking about giving it away, which means no one's going to make any money on it. And this was, uh, this was I think, done the same time to, to looking for a response to see what would it take to, uh, for Danny August Mason, knowing he's serious. He's serious about giving it away and giving him the deadline at the 16th. Now we move on to the 16th. Remember in the previous post, I'd like to have your release signed document here at the bottom in yellow. I would like to have it by December 16th. And so now we get to the 16th. No response, no signed document. And we get an email on December 16th from Danny Mason, knowing it's the deadline, a nice, friendly email saying, buddy, please give me a call about moving forward before I sign the release form. So now I've got evidence, once again, it still isn't signed, as he states it here, that it isn't signed. This is December 16th. So it gets to be very interesting here. Uh, we know that we never, nothing ever comes of it. This is the last communication, I believe, uh, between these two. And it leaves us all with an awkward feeling. Uh, David was going to release the rise for free at the end of the year. I think it was December 30th or 31st was the uh, self-imposed deadline to release it out there for free. And then that was going to be used as uh, promotional material to gain garner interest and, uh, and more fan interest for when this web series or, or movie comes out. So he wanted to get it out there. On Christmas, he wrote uh, the rise, I think, five-day countdown to Christmas. And that was to get that um, uh, to get that out. So these guys are still having their email correspondence back and forth as late as the 16th of December. Now, when we go to the police investigation into this case, I pulled up some of the uh, I pulled up the interview with Dan Daniel August Mason done with Officer Tommy Booth from the Apple Valley Police Department. And so highlighted here, he conducts his interview on the 19th of January. Keep in mind, this is two days after the bodies are found. Bodies were found on Saturday the 17th. The 18th uh, was the Sunday, and now here was Monday in January, Martin Luther King holiday. Um, the cleaners were in there um, cleaning the house professionally, and also various people were in that home when they found the bullet hole in the ceiling was also on January. 19th with the um, with four or five other individuals that were in the house before it was professionally cleaned and released to uh, to the family and so we talk about mr mason here doing his interview with tommy booth talks about he met him when he met david when they started doing the concept trailer and um, talks about bullock's change and so this is the interview now i'm going to go to page the next section it talks in the first uh, paragraph there that they raised about $61,000 to help do the trailer. And so they made the trailer and pitched that. Remember, the movie was never made. The funding, uh, I mean, the, the movie was never produced. They were going to get the 
funding first and get the contract and then make the movie. Now the second paragraph here in, in yellow, Mr. Mason said his involvement with Gray State and Crowley was strictly as an actor and as a friend, but had not been involved in any financing or was actually listed on any paperwork as a partner with Crowley and Heil. So what I believe this comment to be here is very deceptive. Um, one could call it a lie, one could call it actually the truth, but what I think it is actually is deceptive. Now we know from the paperwork and the offer and the counter offers going back and forth between this release agreement that Danny Crowley, I mean Danny August Mason was heavily involved, in fact sacrificing four years of his life to do this and had uh, ideas as being the mentioned as the co-creator with the casting, the uh, production and the marketing of this entire pro project. Uh, and so he was actually on, in order for him to sign a release form, he had to be tied together, tied into this business in the first place. So the mere fact that he had to sign the release document shows that he was far more than just simply an actor in gray state. Now what Mr. Mason is telling the officer here is that he doesn't believe he's listed on, he's not listed on any paperwork as a partner with Crowley and Heil. Now, Mitch Heil is listed on the bullet exchange with David Crowley. And Danny August Mason is correct. He is not listed on any paperwork for the bullet exchange. He is listed on as Gray State LLC. So this is a deceptive line here to police saying, I don't have any connections from a business standpoint to that project at all. I was merely an actor. Well, that's not true. That on its, on its face is a lie. Not involved with any financing. That also is true. He wasn't involved in any, in any financing, but he was listed very heavily involved in the gray state. Uh, he goes on to say in the last uh, paragraph there that uh, they, uh, they were in attendance in August at Randy's birthday. And remember, Randy's birthday party, the documentary from Eric Nelson called A Gray State, mentions that there was some unease and it was an uncomfortable setting at Randy's birthday party in Apple Valley in August of 2014. Now that certainly would be the, be, be the case because of the release statements were sent out. David had a deal that he couldn't tell anyone about. So that's why I think it was quiet and it was awkward. He also had sent out release agreement paperwork with Mitch Heil and Danny August Mason. And Mason was at the party. How uncomfortable would that be? So yes, there was some um, uh, uncomfortable feelings there at that birthday party that no one really could let on. Uh, David had a deal that he didn't let on to anyone else even. Him and Comel were the only ones who knew there was a deal in place. Let's go to the next segment. Danny August Mason goes on to say in yellow highlight here, the last time Mr. Mason saw David Crowley was in September but he could not remember the exact date in September. He goes on to say that he had come over to the Crowley's residence to talk to David concerning the movie and where the movie was heading. Then talked to David out in the driveway of the residence and stated that, quote, David had looked like he had lost a bunch of weight and was fragile. So there's two, two questions here that I have. We know that the release form was sent um, uh, sometime in August with an August effective date or even um, the end of July with an August 
effective date. Danny August Mason was there in attendance at the August birthday party. But after that, it appears they were on emailing correspondence only. I don't see any evidence to support that Danny August Mason went and talked to him on the driveway. This already was heading down on the end of September down an ugly path with this um, counteroffer being sent and the response back to Danny, uh, to David Crowley, wanting the rights, making the demands about the RISE documentary. Um, but feel free in the comments section of this video below uh, if, if there was proof or evidence that Danny August Mason actually went there and talked to him in the driveway. Now the other thing, which I think is also being deceitful here from Danny Mason, is that it says he, David looked like he lost a bunch of weight and was fragile. This, I believe, is the first insertion of a narrative where they're trying to make the police and the detectives and the investigators think that David Crowley became unhinged, was not himself, was isolating himself, going so far here to say that he lost a bunch of weight and was fragile. This, I believe, is an outright lie, but please leave your comments below. This is, I think, I think this is uh, planting the seed for the investigators to think, you know what, maybe, maybe David did do this. Now, the next section here in the police interview, they talk about after the September meeting, which I don't believe ever took place. Mason states that he received an email on the 1st of October from the attorney. The email was asking Mason to release any rights he had, on and on, and he said he wanted to re review it with his attorney before he signed anything. That, that, that very well could be true. I don't think Danny August Mason had any intention of signing that, regardless if he had an attorney look at it or not. Now he says that on December 7th, he received an email directly from Crowley stating that he decided to take it in a different path and he needed to sign a release form and attached was that release form from October 1st. He said he needs his attorney to look it over and quote, in yellow, December 7th was the last contact Mr. Mason had with David Crowley or anyone in his family. Now we know that's not true. The last contact was December 16th of 2014 from Danny Mason to David Crowley. So December 7th, last contact is outright lie. Now the very last paragraph here gets into more of the cunning, more of the psychological um, deceit here from Danny August Mason. During the interview with police, Mr. Mason then asks the officer, Tommy Booth, asked me if I had talked to Mitch Heil yet concerning David Crowley. So now he's steering the conversation. He basically is, he's basically done with uh, talking about himself and then quickly steers the conversation to the other business partner named Mitch Heil. I advised him that I had not. And Mr. Mason was kind enough to give me his phone number so that he can contact him. He says he believed that they dissolved their partnership and, and uh, ended on good terms. That's true. And that happened in September, October of 2014. That also is true. Um, I think that was either, either August or even September. Certainly wasn't October. They had the 
uh, garage sale already in September. So that is for the most part true, but watch how Danny Mason is steering the conversation with the investigator on to other topics. Here he goes out of his way to focus the attention on Mitch Heil and essentially wrap up the interview. Uh, Mr. Mason then goes on to describe Crowley as a very loving man towards his family. Um, he was in the military. Didn't know what belief system he had. And goes out of his way to leave the door open for any further contacts by telling him he could contact him with any further questions. What a nice guy. Now the interesting thing is here, we have Mr. Mason's interview recorded on the digital recorder and download it to the secure server at the Apple Valley Police Department. That would be something interesting um, to get the FOIA request for that interview, um, whether it's for this case or, or uh, on the Crowley investigation case, or later if, if uh, police were to uh, pursue charges of, of lying here to investigators. Um, that certainly is recorded and saved on the server as there's various, various lies here by Danny August Mason directly to investigators. That's the update for today. It's the Crowley case updates, November 24th of, the, of 2018. The curious case of Danny August Mason. Please leave your comments below. Thanks for listening. Interested in the paranormal? Murder mysteries? Cryptocurrency and thought provoking interviews? Then check out Crypt Ricks I've Been Thinking on YouTube or every Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Studio A at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs>